the starting lineup of your favorite show. At producer, 5'11", from Blanchester, the cow killer, Casey McCollister. And comic engineer, standing at 4'8", the pride of the west side, Elliot Rearing. And your host, weighing 150 pounds, soaking wet. Welcome in. It's President's Day. I had asked what exactly was President's Day on my way in. I am ashamed to admit. I wasn't quite certain what we were celebrating exactly. I wanted to make sure that I knew before I got on air so we could properly celebrate. And I found out it really, it's really not a whole lot to celebrate. Um, so we won't, we won't celebrate it. The good news is, though, is when you do a sports talk show <clears throat> over a nice long weekend, from Friday all the way to Monday... You get a lot of sports, a lot of meaningful sports that you oh, yeah. can discuss on Monday morning. And let me tell you, there was no bigger weekend in sports than this past weekend. You think that that day where all the, you know, like the, the, the day where it was perfectly all the different leagues intersect and, and every single league plays on the same day. Sports I think Equinox. It's, like, it's sports the Sports equinox. equinox, as Elliot would say, I guess. That's the, that's the professional term for it. I'm just here rambling words uh but you know nhl the, the weird timing where major league baseball and the nfl the nba they're all playing at once well it just so happens this past weekend seemed like it was the opposite of that now i do know that major league baseball's all-star game is usually the the only day of the year where there's not an actual or the, i think it's the monday um it's the day after the all-star game where there's actually no sports at all but let's be honest for a second. If you're tuning into today's show and you're looking for a breakdown of all of the serious things that happen in sports, yeah. you've come to the right place today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have come to the right place today. Um, here's the thing. There was some things that happened over the weekend that we will have some relative fun banter about. But we're, if we're being honest, in Cincinnati at least – the Southwest Ohio area, the tri-state, all the other fancy terms, the Queen City, all the other terms that people use to, to dissect the geography of where we're located. There's just not a whole lot going on. You know you've hit the depths of hell in sports when we're sitting here trying to decipher what a guy meant on X.com of what the Bengals should do from the draft perspective when they're putting out a WWE figure. Then on top of that, you got guys video filming through chain-linked fences at bats against one another. And listen, I'm not here to say that doesn't get excited. Trust me, if I see just some things from spring training, yeah, I get excited. Baseball's right around the corner. But I'm not gonna dissect the fact that Hunter Green struck out Jonathan India. And what does that mean for Jonathan India's future? Rhett Louder made a couple pitches against Tyler Stevenson. Did you see it? He struck him out. Big time. Number one pick. What do you think, Tyler? I don't know. The guy was the number one pick. He picked away, pitched awake for us. Had a sub one ERA, basically. Hey, he's pretty damn good, it turns out. But before we get to the hard-hitting journalism that is sports, Elliot, 
Casey, hopefully you guys had an unbelievable weekend. I know that you're so upset that you're not taking President's Day off right yeah, now. You were thinking huh. to yourself, wow, what, what kind of labor laws exist at Chatterbox Sports That's where right. you have to come in on President's Day? I was thinking You got that. any things to file a complaint against the HR department here? Yeah, I mean, when you think about some of the great presidents, like, uh, uh, let's just say over the past years for uh, the Trumpster and, and, and Biden, this is today's, this is their day. So I would have, I would have liked to celebrate them today, but that's okay. Uh, we're here, we're working. Uh, and some would say that was really the, the earlier presidents, that was their dream. They wanted Americans to get into their jobs and work hard. Uh, that was the, uh, the dream, if you were. Uh, if you will, but no, that's, that's fine. I, I, I'm not concerned about it. Casey texted us yesterday. Hey, are we coming in tomorrow? It's president's day. I just assumed we were coming in because if I'm going to be honest, president's day is one of those holidays. Like when you're in school, it's great. Cause you just have a random Monday off. But outside of that, no, I mean, it's, is it the most worthless holiday we have? I think if you had to rank all the federal holidays, I think yeah. it's certainly up there with the most worthless. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. Unless there's one that I'm forgetting. MLK day is way better. Uh, I hope so. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Give me a couple. Give me a couple. I'm going to give you a Case, list. You got here. any on your head? <laughs> All right. You got nothing. Like, All right. Got uh, you, got New Year's, you got New Year's Day, Juneteenth, Veterans Day. Way better. Martin way Luther better. King, Independence Day. Independence Day, way better. <laughs> I'd hope so. Thanksgiving. Way better. Washington's birthday. That's where we exist. That's not a federal holiday, is it? <laughs> That's today. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I th I th I th that goes to your point, though, to well, be th fair I, to you. I thought he was giving him a separate holiday. They gave him his birthday. And well, then President's Day. I think that's what we're calling okay. it. February it 19th. Day. That's uh, Labor Day. Yeah, it's better. Christmas. Way better. Memorial Day. So this is the last. This is in last and place. And Columbus yes. Day. Well, that's not that's, a federal holiday. That's, okay. He slaughtered thousands. That's an Ohio holiday. Yeah, it, well... Yeah. Just so you know. And nobody celebrates it. Nobody so gets off work. So that's a good question as to why the Ohio, why, why the state of Ohio decides they're going to make Columbus Day a celebration. Yeah, it's not good. I, my, one of the funnier office bits, everybody knows my favorite show is The Office. One of the funnier office bits is they spent an episode, an entire episode, where Andy Bernard tries to get The Office uh, an early weekend or early start to uh, Columbus Day weekend. He tried to get him, he tried to get him the, fri or the, the Monday off for Columbus Day. Uh, very, very funny. But no, yeah, today's, uh, today's one of those uh, federal holidays that just mean nothing. It's like a, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's just The work, timing work. of the holiday matters too. Harrow points out that Labor Day is a clutch holiday largely because of where it's located, yeah. where it's facilitated. You know, it's, it's the timing of things. Yeah. Otherwise, you go really long stretches of time without having some, some holiday, some kind of yeah. long weekend. Um, you know, that's part of maybe why this holiday uh, maybe doesn't feel as nice either because you just got you know, for lack of a better term, the New Year's, the Christmas, and then you have, you know, Martin Luther King Day. So you've, you've kind of been getting, you've, you've kind of been getting uh, a good, a good amount of days off. And then all of a sudden, you know, you feel like, hey, I'm ready to get back to work. The start of the new year, you got the New Year's resolution going on. And then, and then you hit, you get hit with the, you got to take the day off on February 19th. And by got to take it off, I mean, you don't take it off. Everybody's calling me woke. I'm not woke. I'm not woke. I just don't think President's Day is a, is a great day. I could pick out a few other ones in there that are, that are, that are probably, you know, you could put them on the wheel of lunch and, and, and we could take our pick and we yeah, could say, well, that's fair. you know, hey, I don't know how much these days actually uh, mean wholeheartedly to our society, but we take them off because they've been there forever and that's what we do.
That's fine. That's fine. But uh, in sports, may I go to the sports nuggets? Absolutely. Before you do that, though, yeah. uh, let me tell everybody that this show is brought to you by United Dairy Farmers. Oh. This is Off the Bench. Oh. Um, and we come your way every single day, Monday through Friday, from 10 a. to 12 p. p. 1130A. Asterix. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Asterix. Uh, what happened in the world of sports, Elliot? Thank you for asking, Trace Fowler. So, uh, the Daytona 500, an event that I have never watched ever, but it's noteworthy that I do have a wager on Chase Elliott, a, a driver that I do know. I, I bet it yesterday, and apparently the event was canceled due to rain. I, that's probably a good – if there's ever a sport that has a fair out to not be uh, participating in absolute blistering uh, rainstorms, it's, it's, it's NASCAR. Probably shouldn't be out there slipping and sliding going 300 miles an hour. Uh, but they, they will play today at 4 o'clock. Do they play or race? Race, sorry. I, it's race. I've just never watched it. Uh, Genesis you o should. Je I should watch it, and I probably will at 4 o'clock today. Uh, no, in all seriousness, you're, you're not going to watch the 500. When, when, I mean, no. I just don't have – not today. I you mean, don't have time? Is that what you're getting ready to there, order? There's, it's long race. I know it's long. I know it's long. But, like, today, like, I, I don't – when would I watch it? When do I have the time to watch it at 4 p.m. today? Well, I you would. don't watch the beginning of it unless you're a diehard, and that's okay if you're a diehard. I have nothing against those folks. In fact, uh, more power to you. But, you know, the, the, the casuals, we turn it on at the end. 50 laps left. Well, I I'll do it if you if you get me. How long is it? Three hours? Standard three hours? Sporting? Um, I, someone in the chat's gonna be better better known as far as how long a, so a Daytona five hundred would be. It, yes, you? I've watched it. I don't keep a stopwatch on how long it is. Well, it seems like you didn't really watch it that much. Well, but. like he said, you don't you watch mean? it from start to finish. He just watches the last end of it. He's not a diehard NASCAR yeah, fan. Like, how long? Uh, how long is the college football game, Elliot? Three hours. The standard the standard sporting events three hours. Three hours. All right, I'm gonna look up throughout throughout this show. Two hours NFL college football three hours standard obviously college football games will go four hours because no I asked you college football games you said three hours I'm gonna look up how long a college football average college football game lasts but like when you carve out your day I know how much time I'm giving each event I know going into it gotcha NBA game two and a half hours and I'll go down the list anyway Daytona 500 pushed back to today uh four o'clock the Genesis Open Tiger Woods was hosting the event uh at Riviera Golf Club and Hideki Matsuyama, who I believe was five strokes behind Patrick Cantlay, who led today. Uh, he was five strokes back. He was a birdie on 18 away from tying the course record at Riviera. He shot nine under in his final round to win the tournament. Congrats to Hideki. It's his first win in over three years, I think. You know who was on the call? And he didn't have Tony Jim, anywhere near Jim his sight to be able to mess it up. Jim Nance. Was Jim Nance. And he set that up about as brilliantly as one could. I just randomly turned that on towards the end. And he, man, you, you would have thought that that putt was the putt mm -hmm. to save society. <laughs> was. You would have thought. Uh, I, Will Zalatoris, Luke Liz, they finished in a tie for second. Tiger Woods, unfortunately, was forced to withdraw. I, I made a claim last week that he could yeah, be a major. Yeah, that age. It didn't age well. I This is my guy. I love Tiger. I really do believe if he saved up all his energy, all his health for one Masters, I think he can still win it. It's it's a it's a it's a course that I think he knows. I think it's walkable. I think it's attainable. That's what we have to gear you up saying, for. You saying Augusta's walkable is 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 a little well, it's, is a it's, little bit of a stretch. It's 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 it's, it's, it's more it's, walkable than the British Open, than the U.S. Open, and the PGA Championship. I think the British Open is a pretty flat. No, British Open, absolutely not. British Open's hilly, hilly, hilly. Are you suggesting to me that the British Open is is is, is more hilly, 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 hilly than Augusta? Yes. I think I'm that saying you're, it's. I think that I'm you're just a little out of your element. I'm right saying now. it's way more difficult to walk 
any of the any St. Andrews, it's way more difficult to walk over in Britain than it is. Well, most people are rooting for Tiger. I don't think that there's that many haters left out there because if you have a semi heart, you can at least respect the fact that the guy's grinded all the way back and he won when nobody said he yeah. could again. Um, of course, you're going to have some of the people that have uh, very, very high moral standards for everyone in the world, and they don't like Tiger for the way that in which his his whole affair went down and all of that. But for those that, that just like the sport and, and enjoy golf, it's always best when Tiger's out there. I'm, I'm hopeful that it, it genuinely was just sickness. That's what he said it was. It was just an illness. If that's the case, okay, calm, you know. Don't, don't sound the alarms quite yet on his health in regards to being able to walk 72 holes. I still have concerns over it. Um, it still seems like, and I'm not saying he made an out, but let's be honest. If Tiger was playing great golf, I, I don't know if an illness per se was going to stop him from playing the rest of that round. I think it was just a situation where he uh, was feeling sick, yes, but also realized that I got to walk 72 holes, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah, uh, that's 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 more than fair. Uh, I I just you know God bless him. Uh, I I do think he was seen with an in and out bag, and that was that's become the meme this weekend, right? Yeah. So he he was seen with an in and out bag, and everybody is now saying that in and out caused uh, Tiger Woods to withdraw from this tournament. So I'm gonna I'm gonna send Casey this clip here for the last little nugget from uh, the Genesis Open. And basically, everybody got in a little bit of an uproar towards the end of that round on because Hideki started moving the ball moving the grass immediately behind did you see this he, he just moved the placed grass his club behind the ball yeah immediately behind the ball and you could see the the not the ball move but where the ball was it's it was moving so you i don't know what the rule is there there was a rules expert that came in and said it was okay but if you see here it's going we're going to get a zoom in from this guy at home and basically what he's going to do is he's going to place the club behind the ball and he's going to move the – and every golfer that's ever golfed does this. But it, it is interesting to see it on TV when you think that – see, right there, when he's when – Yeah, he's, I, I don't – And people are throwing a big deal about it. And somebody like me who had a Zalatoris ticket was also throwing a big deal about it. Oh, that's that was, what this comes down to. Well, Mr. Zalatoris ticket's mad about that. Yeah, that's it, Casey. That's it. Um, I, I don't – I don't know how in the world you watch that and think to yourself, wow, that's a big deal. Like, in all honesty – there's no way in the world that is a part of the game of golf as to where that would be a penalty. The whole, the whole concept of, of, the, of the golf ball moving is the idea that you're improving your lie. The, the lie didn't improve. And in fact, if every single player of every single round was, you know, had, had high-definition, slow-mo cameras zoomed in on their golf ball the entire round of every round, how many penalties would we have? We'd have we'd have hundreds of penalties. You wouldn't be able to play the sport. Yeah, it's, so it's dumb. Like at some point, golf has to, and they've done they've tried to do a little bit better job. Golf has of, yeah. of reining in some of these rules. But maybe the bigger story over the weekend that was talked about in golf was the fact that Jordan Spieth signed an, signed an incorrect Horrible. scorecard. Um, and listen, there's merits of both sides of this. Okay, there's merits of both sides. For those that don't know, that didn't see it over the weekend, because I know it was a big, big sports weekend. There's a lot going on. You probably maybe missed it. Um, <laughs> Is Jordan Spieth turned his scorecard in, I believe, on uh, on Thursday or Friday. Um, bear with me here on the day, but that's quite irrelevant. Uh, he came off of a double bogey, I believe, on 18, so he's probably a little upset. Walks into the clubhouse. This is where you could blame it on the player, but the rules are you must write your own score down, right? Sign your scorecard, 
That's right. Hand it to an official. And if your score is not the correct score, you're automatically disqualified. Now, the reason for that is, is obviously this is kind of a grandfathered thing from a long time ago where there weren't scoring systems. There wasn't the technology that exists today. You have other people on the other side of the aisle that are going to scream, hey, this is 2024. Why don't we just make it easy? Everybody knows everybody scores. Why do we do this? Well, I think some of it is tradition. I do. I think some of it is just the, the concept that, hey, this is what we've always done. We're going to continue to do it. It's not that hard of a thing to do. And if we're being honest, how many rounds of golf have been played throughout the PGA Tour where you've ever heard of this happening before? And really, on count of one hand, that it's happened. So clearly, it's not that hard to do. You walk into the clubhouse, you ask the rules official, hey, you know, what do you have? This is what I have. Is there any discrepancy before I sign the card? Let's figure out what the actual real thing is, and then I'll sign the card. Now, that does beg the question, though, for being honest. What's the point? If you can go in and you can ask what your score is before you sign it, then why not just go in there and confirm your score and say, yep, we both are on the same page, and then you just submit it into the system? That seems to be the more, you know, common sense way to do it. But these sports, baseball's baseball's the same way. Uh, NFL, I, I don't know if they're quite the same, but there are these little odds and ends things that are a little goofy that people like to keep around the game because it's, it's always been that way. It's not that big of a deal. But then you find yourself to where now maybe it is a big deal. How is it not a big deal? I, you have to, I mean, you'd have to spend another 30 minutes after the round. You just played a, a four-hour four round or whatever it was. And now you're sitting back in the clubhouse making sure every single thing's correct uh, and hoping it matches up with the with the actual score, the electronic score that everybody knows is your score. So now you have to go worry about that. I think it's nonsense. If they know your score, they know your score. The, the, only, the, the only pushback I would have is in the slight chance, is there any chance in the world that the volunteers, which is that's what they are, the, the people that keep the scores there are yeah. all volunteers. Now, the funny thing is, is that they use that term volunteers in a way in which it sounds like it's the guy that, you know, that shows up to the, to the, uh, the local festival or something and he, and he helps you sling some beers for five minutes because he's yeah. volunteering, never been trained, et cetera, et cetera. These volunteers, to be clear, probably have had training, Right. And it's probably one of those situations where they're retired golfers that love the fact they get to hang around the PGA Tour, but they're but it's taken very seriously. So the chances of them not having the correct score are very very slim. I do like the cross check, like the balances type thing, like where okay, sure. this is what I have, is this what you have? If we both are on the same page, then we're good. I don't know why. It just seems to me like, again. We're getting into the semantics of all this, and maybe we don't talk about something so stupid on on uh, on, a on a big busy, on such a big big busy. big busy weekend of sports. But here's the thing: why don't they just ask each other? And then if there's a discrepancy, you just talk through it and figure out what the what the issue was, and then boom, you put the score in. That seems to be the more yeah. If you want to if you want to keep this and you want to say make sure all, all every golfer plugs in their score and gives it to the person, that's fine. But do what Trace is saying. 
go and be like, all right, so let's just double check real quick, make sure everything's good, looks good, all right. Disqualification seems like a pretty, pretty tall tale. The reason for disqualification in the past, I would assume, is because people are cheating. Correct. That's and that, that's, that, that's and, that, during, and that seems fair. And that's during the '90s or '80s when you know '90s. Golly, 80s, day, 70s, brother. '90s, '70s. You're gonna you? throw the '90s in there like it's back in ancient. I have a hard. I, I I didn't. I wasn't able to watch golf in the '90s, but I have a hard time imagining that the uh, the technology was there to make sure everybody's score was 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 great, was perfect every the single time. The '90s, '80s. Let me say '70s. What time? Let's what go back to like the '30s and the '40s, man. Okay, well, the '30s and the '40s, whatever. But before I still... there was even television. Oh, that's. I fine. mean, there was television in the '30s, but my point is, is like before there was golf. Whenever. Televised golf. When, the point is, it's this should not be a disqualification. It's it's more of a. Uh, for for the, the the traditions of the of the game. This is this is nothing. This is this is terrible for Jordan Spieth and it's bad for golf. Fair enough. All right. What else happened in the um, big world, wide world of sports yeah, this so, weekend? So so we had some so we had some good college basketball, some great college basketball. LSU they shocked the eleventh ranked South Carolina Gamecocks, sixty four sixty three. Great game for LSU. Uh, the UConn Huskies they slaughtered Marquette, eighty one to fifty three. That's tough. Uh, Marquette, one of the best Big East programs, and they just got absolutely slaughtered. Uh, Six-ranked Kansas, they beat 25-ranked Oklahoma, 67-57. Kentucky, your team. Yeah. They bounced back uh, against Auburn, winning 70-59. to There was a couple very funny stories where, I guess, Auburn fans were camping out since, like, Tuesday for that game. They were just camping out all week, getting ready for the, uh, for the Big Blue. And they just got absolutely manhandled. At no point were they in that basketball game. UK uh, played well. UK played very they well. They played well. I think they, they had, obviously, a chip on their shoulder. They were told about, you know, oh, this team is, is underachieving, this, that, and the next. All the, the rumors swirling about, about Cal. Um, but I watched the game. And I do give Kentucky credit from the standpoint that they got dudes. They have yeah. they have guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You watch Kentucky play, and immediately you know that they have some of the best players in the country by far. The only thing that I have a little bit of a hesitancy towards now is I was rooting for Kentucky to bounce back because I think it's better when the Blue Bloods are good. And I also think that Cal has always caught a little more heat than I feel like he's deserved from the fan base. But to be fair, he doesn't have a lot to show for it. Over the weekend, Jay Williams, I know we'll get to him in just a minute, he, he had compared Kentucky to the Cowboys, and I thought it was a relatively fair comparison. The Cowboys have been good, right? It's not like they've been terrible for, for, for a long time. They've just, not, they've just not achieved to the level of expectations that the rest of the country feels like they should have, and that's where I thought that the comparison was, was in line. If you want to sit there and compare it directly apples to apples, I don't think you could do that because one plays in college basketball, one plays in the NFL. So it doesn't seem like that's a relatively fair thing to do to try to compare it to apples to apples. But just an overarching, holistic view of it, I thought it was relatively fair. I was on Cal's side up until the press conference yesterday, um, two days ago, I should say now. And this is what he had to say, and I'll tell you why I'm not a big fan of it right after this. Held a top 10 team to 30% and 18? I don't know. I guess we could do better. Did you see I went zone one possession? <laughs> just to do it? I said, how about we go zone one time? Let's just try it. We got nine stops in a row, coach. I said, stop. Let's just try it. You guys want to try it? Yeah, go zone. And the reason it works, we don't know what we're doing. So how the hell can you prepare for something that we don't even know where we're going to go? 
Okay. I get Cal's trying to be a little funny. Tongue-in-cheek-esque. Um, but it's almost like, to me, take a little bit of humble pie in the sense that just because you had one performance to where the other team didn't score the ball that well doesn't mean you figured it out defensively. I watched that game, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Kentucky. But Auburn couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. They were wide open shots they were missing. Time and time again. Yes, interior-wise, there was, there was challenges at the rim. Yes, the referees 100% allowed both teams to be very physical. And if you're allowed to be physical, then go for it. But to sit here and make fun of the fan base or everyone else to sit here and act like you had it all along, you know what you're doing all along because you had one performance where you held a team in the 60s, come on, man. We'll find out what ultimately ends up happening because at the end of the day, they get to play the rest of the year and, and as, as we uh, – Love about sports, they get to find out on the field and or on the court. But Cal, uh, again, for a guy that's tried to defend Cal, um, at least within within uh, social groups, friend groups that I have, I've always said, listen, the reason Cal gets a lot of blame and hate is because he has such good players. But the only reason they have those great players is because of Cal. So it's tough to it's tough to sit here and knock the man because he has great players because he's the one that went out and got him. He then wanted to make a fun little deal about how he doesn't love basketball, but he's going to watch all of the all. He's going to go watch the All Star game this weekend with his seven All Stars. Seven All Stars. You know how hard that is. This is obviously Cal talking. He said the the, the last team that had uh, the the most All Stars was four, and then he quipped, and that was us. So you know, I I get Cal's trying to like. Uh, He's trying to take his his walk of fame right now and, and make it seem like he had it all figured out all along. But I, if I were him, I'd be careful because I don't know if it was as much as Kentucky playing great defense as Auburn legitimately just had a horrible night. Yeah. Horrible night. Uh, BYU, they lost to unranked Oklahoma State on the road, 93-83. Uh, 20th ranked Wisconsin. They have lost five of six. Uh, they fall again to Iowa. Uh, terrible, terrible, terrible. Ohio State yesterday upset Purdue. An interim head coach, Jake Diebler, was very emotional after the win. He is very clearly the guy. I think Ohio State has to ride with the Deebs. Jake Diebler at Ohio State. That's it. Sean Miller, Xavier fans, you're saved. Jake Diebler's all the way back. Brother of uh, uh, brother of John Diebler, uh, fun yeah. fact, old Ohio State player. And yeah. uh, John Diebler was, I don't it could have changed, but John Diebler is the all-time leading scorer in uh, Ohio high school boys basketball history. And uh, fun fact, I got to play against him at really at the shot. Is it still called the shot? Schottenstein? I don't know. What is it called? What's Ohio State's basketball, basketball no court idea. name? We'll figure Absolutely that out. Someone no in the chat will let us know. The, the shoe part two. Um, we, and this is, by the way, Saint, yesterday as well, St. John's blew like a 20-point lead to Seton Hall. St. John's was was maybe going to be one, a tournament team, a bubble team. They've lost like eight in a row or something like that. Uh, they've been absolutely terrible. Um, this is what Rick Pitino had to say. Rick Pitino, if, if you don't know, it's very he gets very upset after these losses. A lot like Wes Miller, but these are much funnier. Rick Pitino, this is this again. This is in the post game press conference after blowing like an eighteen point lead. We are so an, we are so unathletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. 
For me, I've always enjoyed the first year, and I'm not going to lie to you. This is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. This has been so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough way to that's a tough way to close your season. I mean, that's just the sound of a guy who's quit. That's a forfeiture right there by my guy Rick Pitino. But slick Rick, Godspeed to you. Next year's got to be better. Uh, but him calling this season the most unenjoyable experience of his entire life. Probably not great for the for the St. John's boosters or anybody that's supporting him there. You don't think he's just trying to rally the troops? Light a little fire <laughs> no, under him? A, no, no, I don't think that's rally rallying troops. the troops. Uh, that's a lot of things. Rallying the troops ain't one of them. And the, finally, the most important basketball game of the weekend between two unranked teams, the Bearcats. They beat UCF, Trace, 76-74. How about that? Uh, Dan Skillings led the way with 15 points for the Cats, adding eight rebounds, two assists. Aziz was great, 13 points, eight boards, two blocks. Uh, Victor Locken, many were wondering what was going to happen with Victor Locken. Uh, the answer is pretty simple. He doesn't play anymore. He played the last, he didn't play the entire game. The last five seconds, they threw him in there just to say he was there. Uh, so clearly this is the end of the Victor Locken wagon. That's even, just not true. Even if he plays, and he's going to play more than five seconds going forward, but this is, he's just clearly not the guy. Jamil, Jamil and, and Aziz are, are. Very clearly the two that are going to get playing time. I'm not 100% sold on that yet. I'm not. I I think that uh, UCF proposed a way in which uh, West Miller thought that they needed to play small. um, And therefore, Vic... Let's face it. There was a combination of things. They they wanted to play somewhat of a smaller lineup against UCF because UCF was going to try to press. And they allowed themselves to get to a position where they, they... they didn't need Vic as much in this game as they would in maybe other games, and therefore Vic didn't play, coupled by the fact that Vic's not played well as well. So I don't think for a second, not though, that play- Vic is not going to get some good, some decent run moving forward. What's they're going to try to decent run? I think this next game, they play Oklahoma State. Yep. You would like to think that UC is going to be able to manhandle or play, uh, play a game in which there's a little bit of uh, garbage time, as they say, in this basketball game against Oklahoma State. I think they're going to try to give Vic as many minutes as they possibly can in that basketball game and hopefully get his confidence back. Because if they can, then that changes the team a little bit, changes the dynamic of the team a little bit. I, let's face it. The other thing, too, and I don't know, you might disagree with this. There are so long stretches of time where this team has a lineup in the game where there's just no scoring threat at all. None. None. And I mean, sometimes, for whatever reason, Dan Skillings, he looks the part at times. He, he looks like a guy that's seeking a shot, he's aggressive, and he looks like, again, the same type of look that it has when you turn on a Kentucky game where you realize, wow, that guy's just a guy. Like, they have some incredible athletes that can play. Dan Skillings looks like that. But the, I got to be honest, that I've, watched, I've, I've not watched every single second of UC basketball, so I'm not sitting here trying to say that I'm, I'm an expert in this field. But it does seem like there are times where Dan shies away from being aggressive. And he shies away from wanting the basketball. The guy had 10 points in the first three minutes of that game. Yeah. He, went, he then scored a few points towards the end. But he went almost what seemed like 25 to 30 minutes of game time basketball without scoring a point. And that's been the issue all year long. It's, it, it, he did it against, uh, who was it, Iowa State. Or not Iowa, the game before Iowa State. It's going to forget me. I, 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 these games are all coming to my mind together. Um, but he scores, he scores 10 points in the first half, and he disappears. It just can't happen. You have to have a consistent score. Xavier has that. 
Xavier has consistent scores. They don't have great defense, but God knows they've got cons consistent scores. UC does not have that. We have great defense, no consistent offense whatsoever. Now, I will say a, a couple of things here um, about regarding Dan Skillings. Dan Skillings might be the least clutch guy we have. Might be the least clutch guy we have. He had two free throws, and when you only need one, you only need one free throw, he misses two I need again. It this is the same exact scenario with TCU. We had we have first five seconds left in that basketball game, maybe less, four seconds. Dan Skillings just needs one, just needs one to win the game. Misses both. This is the second time it's happened. It's almost impossible to be that bad in in the clutch. It's almost impossible. But I'm going to try to be calm. I'm trying. I'm going to try to rationalize it. And I don't understand why Dan Skillings falls every time he drives the basket either. Uh, these are just, I guess, uh, the little things of, of having young players. Anyway, Simas Lukosius, I get on this guy's nerve all the time. And there was a funny interview uh, after the game. My, my, my buddy Zach pointed this out. Uh, a reporter came up to him, and, and he was like, Simas, what's it like being unreal from three? Something along the, those lines. Being what? Like un being great from three. <laughs> having, th having, having the three-point shot uh, available to you at all times. And Simas looked at him and was like, well, I was like two for eight today, <laughs> and it was a very funny moment. But I I'll tell you what, Trace was right. We were we were texting in our group chat uh, during the game, and I was killing Cmos because it seems like he just starts chucking up these step back threes, and they're not even close to hitting the rim. I mean, they're just terrible. They're he just shoots a high arching shot. There's no doubt yeah, about it. That thing almost scrapes the lights when it when it's it goes not up. good. I, I get a little bit frustrated, but he is the only guy that wants the ball, and maybe is the only guy that's able to shoot the ball and make a shot under pressure like this. He might be the only guy because he was absolutely the reason we won, We hung on to win that game because I don't know if we should have won it. But by God, Simas Lukosius in the clutch, we needed him. We, he drove to the basket. Yeah, he got, did a good job a basket, of not settling so. for a shot. Got, thank God for Simas Lukosius. Uh, other than that, um, I was going to say the defense was the first in my notes here. The defense was a little shaky for the first time all season. These are two defensive teams. And it looked like UCF could score at will in the second half. At any moment. We were up by 12, I think, three separate times in that game. We can blow that lead. I've never seen a team that can blow a lead that fast. They blow it so in, in a minute. It's gone. Bound it down to two points. Now, we can do the same thing where we come back. And we've done that several times this year where you're down like 12, 14. And boom, you're right back in the game. Um, but, our, man, I, I, our, our offense, and Trace is right, that – there's just, there's at times, and maybe it's just like the, the milk the clock offense is what we're running. We're just trying to play, have all of our great defense got, defensive guys in there. Yeah. But offensively, there's nobody to score. There's just not any shot makers, right? There's not anybody that you that you could just throw the ball to um, and they and they go and make a play. Like, Kentucky has like four of those guys. Yeah. And, and Xavier's and UC, got three of them. And, and Xavier does have a few of them. Like, Olivari, without question, can create his own shot, and, and Claude can create his own shot. And then I guess I – mean, and I'm not taking anything away from McKnight, but I think he's – of the of the two, he's he's a yeah. little bit lower on the totem pole there. Um, but regardless, you see – and I think they do have some of those guys, but it's like they, they don't they don't show up. Dan Skillings yet has, has seen – again, to be clear, not watch every single game, but against UCF, there really wasn't a whole lot of, hey – Give me the ball. I'm going to create my own shot and then make the shot. Correct. It's one thing to obviously try to shoot a shot and, and, and create your own shot, but it's a terrible shot. Um, but you see, they found a way to win. And, and give you, them some credit. Give did, them some credit. They found a way to win. It's almost like it's survive in advance over the next few few uh, games, right? You have absolutely UCF, 
Now you got to survive in advance against Oklahoma State. You'd like to think that that's the case. But here's the crazy thing about all that is like, you know, you automatically check off Oklahoma State as a win. But they've won a, they've won a couple times in league. Um, they just upset BYU. There's which is a good in a weird way. I'm almost like that's a good thing for for uh, for Cincinnati that they found a way to beat BYU. And that's the crazy thing about this league. And I'm not trying to downplay it, but again, you got teams like BYU who are supposed to be top ten in the country and 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 they get they get beat by Oklahoma State. And I'm not. They're 19th, but yeah, I, I get I get your. Point. I'm just saying at the. I, I, yeah, they're 19th, but they're 19th because they they get beat up in league play. When they entered league play, I'm pretty sure that everybody considered them nearly a, almost a top 10 team. Yes or no? Correct. All 12, right. Top 12. So, all right. Um, UC survives in advance, plays Oklahoma State. That's correct. Uh, did you think it was a foul at the end on Aziz? I thought that it was a foul in real time. And then once they slowed it down a bunch, it was questionable at best. I think, okay, good point. I think UC deserved is, 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 you know, people are going to think, oh, that's a homer. Homer take. I don't mean it like that. I just, for the, for the bad luck that I think UC actually has had in some games, Houston hit an unbelievable shot uh, when UC closed it down to two. Uh, Texas hit a, an incredible corner baseline jump shot to give them the win over UC. It almost felt like UC had the bad draw a few times down the end of the game, and they finally got one that went their way, per se. Um, it was questionable. I do think that it was a foul. I think I think nine out of ten college basketball officials will call that a foul. I agree. And I think we, I think we escaped with whether or not high, it was a foul. High knees, especially, would have called that. Correct. High knees would have called it. Uh, and again, I, that's just I guess luck of the draw there, and, and that's fine. Uh, but UC hangs on to win. By the way, one a couple one last nugget on the game, then I'll get to the broadcast side of it. Usually, when you're up by three, and UC didn't have this, but usually when you're up by three. You intentionally foul the other team as because they can't tie the game. They can only make two, and then the the game is you just make more free throws. And yeah. We're the only team in the country that can't use that strategy. They because, did it. I know, but we no 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 no. We can't do it because we don't make free throws. We can't do it. You can't do it, brother. What are you talking about? You can't. So, use, you you can't did use it, huh? UC did use it. They did not. Yes, they did. Simus fouled. Simas when. Simas, sorry. Simus, Simas, tomato, tomato. I don't think you're right. I don't think you're right. I know I'm right. I watched the game. Did you watch it? I watched the game. Clearly you didn't. I did. Well, now I have to go look it up. Well, look well, it up. Look it up. While you're doing that, I'll sit here and explain exactly what happened. For those that didn't see it, and he's going to look up the box score and realize that Simas fouled at the end of the game. He took a foul around midcourt. They had to shoot two free throws, and then they had to tip the ball out. The guy missed the, the, guy missed the free throw on purpose on the second shot, and they tried to tip it out. Elliot, I don't know what's happened to him. We're going to go get him checked out later today. I'm going to make sure that his brain's still intact. Well, it's, pre it's, it's President's Day weekend. It, it, there were so many sports, to be fair, Elliot, that I, I do understand how you could perhaps forget at the end of that game what happened. But they fouled. CMOS fouled at midcourt. Smart foul. Sent the guy to the line with two seconds left. They were up by three. Guy made the first free throw. Missed the second free throw on purpose. You're right. Thank you. All right. What else do you have in the world of sports? Uh, you're, you, you, you were right. And, and by the way, I, I would say my point there was that they usually can't do it. Like, if there's 15 seconds left, that was my point. Uh, if there's 15 seconds. I misremembered what happened there. That's my bad. Hand up. Um, also, the broadcast, and I guess we'll get to that side now. The broadcast for the UC game, shout out to ESPN+. Plus. They are worthless. Legitimately worthless. <laughs> and I don't know which producer, which director, 
Whoever, you're killing whoever, a kid right now. I want you to know that. I'm killing yeah. who? You're killing, killing a, kid a kid right now. So there's some poor kid that was in the back of a production room. Yeah, well, that and, kid, and he was working hard. He took he took time out of his party life and decided he was going to go work an ESPN Plus game down in Orlando, Florida. He could have been anywhere. He could have been at the he could have been in, at the 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 Big Mouse place. He could have been at Universal. Could have been riding roller coasters. Could have been going to a water park. Could have gone to the beach for all you know. He decided he's going to take time out of his day and he was going to go and be in a production room with a bunch of people and you're getting ready to kill him. But go ahead. Yeah, so everybody knows Jizzle's dad is Edrin James, NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and it's cool to see, you know, every broadcast, every time Jizzle plays, they say, hey, Jizzle is the son of Edron James. Is Edron James here today? Sure, let's take a look at him. And this is what the ESPN broadcast showed us. That's not him. I don't know who the hell it is, but that's not Edron James. Chuck said at the postgame show he looks like Mike Jones. <laughs> I mean, that's just not him. Edron James, Dan Hort on the uh, radio broadcast said that Edron James was sitting courtside and, quote, was one of the most easier guys to notice uh, was Edron James. So, tough, tough look. What's for, Mike Jones' phone number? Tough look for, I don't know. Tough look for ESPN Plus, but it's, it's, it, it's, it, it does get tired having to watch basketball games on that. Just give, give us regular ESPN, please, every once in a while. Uh, just, just please. Um, there was one other thing. Oh, the broadcaster, I forget which, what his name was. But there were moments during that BJ, game. BJ, uh, yeah. BJ something. My guy was omitting, like, key moments. Day-Day Thomas fouled out of that game. I don't with like, five you're, minutes You're talking left. about the color or play-by-play -play guy? Uh, I don't know which the one. The play-by-play -play guy I thought was doing an okay job. The, yeah. the problem was the color guy was just he, – he, he, I think it was he, he went. Guy. He went, like, he'd go two minutes long without stop talking. And it's like the play-by-play -play guy can only do so much. So we didn't know Day-Day fouled out. And obviously, if you're watching the game, you're like, oh, he's four, he fouled. And maybe you'd know. But I had no idea he fouled out. I just checked Twitter like three minutes after it happens. Like, oh, yeah, guy's just not there. And you'll never know because the broadcasters said nothing. Um, but that's just, I guess, that's just part of the struggles playing on ESPN+. Plus. But that's it for UC. That's yeah. it for UC. That's it for the college basketball weekend. Um, good for UC. We bounce back on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. ESPN+, Plus, I think, for all intents and purposes, is excellent. I think it's fantastic. No, I, g g yes, I do. I, I genuinely do. I think that you can get so many. You get so many. Uh, if if you care about watching, let me tell you something that I that I just found out the other day that I think is an excellent thing to do. If you'd like to do it, you you ready for this, Elliot? I'm ready. And, and maybe even all of you that that don't know that this exists. I assume that you do because maybe you you know you you you've, you've logged onto an app before. But Elliot might not realize that ESPN Plus you can get on the ESPN app, right? Go to NCAA basketball and type in and punch in all NCAA Division One. So most times it's, it defaults to top 25. And then obviously if you don't follow a top 25 team, you most likely go and click on the conference that they're in and you find them that way. But if you're, I don't want to say bored, but if you're looking for something that's very entertaining to do, pull up on a Saturday or even a Tuesday or Thursday, um, and I don't know how many people are playing on Wednesday, but long story short, pull it up on your on your phone. ESPN app, ESPN and ESPN Plus app are on the same are on the same app. To be clear, you pull up the scores, okay, of the NCLA Division One basketball. You will find. I'm not kidding you. You. I sat there last weekend on a Tuesday night, and I think I watched six games that came down to the last possession. Now, what six games they were, I didn't care. I was just interested in seeing like a close game, end of game situations. You can't get that anywhere else in the world. Yeah. You, you, it's like 61 61. I don't care. It's, yeah, it's Merrimack playing Fairfield. I don't care. 
I'm clicking on it. I watch the last 15, 20 seconds of it. I exit the app. I go find another buzzer beater. I that th- is elite. I think it's great for those schools. I think when you're in a Power 5 conference, I'd like to have my games not on a streaming platform always. It can be, it can be simulcast. It can be both. But I'd like it to be on regular cable as well. I, I miss the old days when we were in the Big East and we'd get UC games. There's no doubt games. about that. But, I meant just from the standpoint that ESPN Plus always gets crushed from the standpoint well, of Well, it gets it. crushed because like the broadcasters and some of the broadcasts are absolutely horrible. And you don't know what I'm talking well, how about. How the hell are you going to have uh, – how, how, how do you Did you watch the Howard game? How do Did you, you watch the Howard game? Okay, you're going to use Did Howard you watch as the an Howard example game? here. Yeah, yes. Did you remember, do you remember the camera? Do you remember how the camera moved like this? I'm well aware. Do you remember how the broadcast pronounced Victor Lockin's name, Victor Lakin? I, I, I'm just saying. Let ESPN, me ask you a question. ESPN, ESPN Plus is fine. Like, I watched – like, it's cool to watch – I was a big – I was betting on the Genesis Open this weekend – and it was cool to have, like, featured groups. They do, uh, like, if you wanted to see McElroy and whoever he was playing with, just those three, you could, you could go to ESPN+, Plus, you'd find it, you'd watch it. And I think for stuff like that, it's cool. But if you have a team that is, respectfully, of relevance, and, and, they, and they're playing, I'd like that game to be available on TV as well. And that's the problem, is that I do think relevance is a pretty, pretty distinct term that we're trying to use right now. Do you think that UCF basketball is relevant? It, it, it's, it's Don't a, stutter over yourself. I'm asking I, I'm a simple trying, question. I'm just trying to find my word of because all they're, the in a net, five, of, they're in a Power 5 conference. Of so all yes. the networks, of all the networks that have only a limited amount of stations they could broadcast a game on, do you think that UCF and Cincinnati should be on one of those? I think that UCF is in a Power 5 conference, as is, as is UC, and I think those games should be available on television for cable for, for people who aren't as up with the times as, as the rest of the world. But whatever, that's the way the world works. That's the way. I don't think Purdue should ever be playing on Peacock. So that again, it's just I, I'm not a big fan of the streaming service. Well, as Kirby points out, that game probably wouldn't even have been aired. You'd have been listening to it on the radio. And speaking yeah. of which, segue into this. I don't think Kirby uh, and I have ever agreed on a point. By the way, I think this is. I think Kirby and I have disagreed on every single point I've ever made. But that's okay. That's okay. It, it'll happen eventually. Here's the good news: is is that is that. Um, I did listen to the game on the radio in the first, in the first, uh, I think it was the first eight minutes of gameplay. Uh, I was on the way back home from uh, my son's game, and I got to listen to the UC game on the radio. And I mean this genuinely. Dan Horde is so good at his job. Yeah, he is. That it's slept on. I, 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 and you know what? Uh, Terry, I think it's Terry Nelson, right? I'm not going to make a fool of myself. You're correct. He's excellent too. Like, I was listening to that game, and I thought to myself, this is, like, elite-level broadcasting right now that I'm listening to. We're, we are very lucky in Cincinnati to have Dan Horde. Very, very, very lucky. There are not many places out there, and, and God love him. I, I think – I don't know what, what the reason is. Maybe it's just that he loves Cincinnati, but he should, he should be on, like, an NFL Sunday. That's how good that guy is. He is better than every broadcaster out there, and thank God for him. Dan Horde is a legend. Terry Nelson's a great uh, is a, is a great guy to have right next to him too. I think he, you know when you have a former basketball player in there and you get to get like the insights, the nuances of the game, hear it from him is is cool as well. Yeah. And, and well, he's not, polished. He's he polished. Is. He does a very good job of getting in and getting out. He realizes that it's the radio. You don't have a lot of time to talk as a color guy because you want to hear what's actually going on in the game. He does a very good job of of, of giving either sharp criticism really quickly or praise. 
uh, in both ways. He does it in a quick enough way to where you can still hear the game, and Dan Horde does a good job. They just I just thought I'd bring that up. I listened I, to him. I listened to him for about three or four minutes, and I thought to myself, if I don't bring up the fact that Dan Horde and Terry Nelson are elite at their jobs, then I've then I then I feel like I've not done them the right justice. I think we take for granted in this city specifically how good we've had it in terms of broadcasting. Like you can say Cincinnati is a small market, yada yada yada. But we've had legends here. Legends here. Dan Horde, superior broadcaster. One of my personal honestly, he's my favorite broadcaster, maybe ever. I love Dan Horde. You have Marty Brenneman, Hall of Famer, elite. And this one belongs to the Reds. Absolutely great. You had Joe Nuxall, Tom Brenneman, his son. He came into Cincinnati. He was great. All we have is great broadcasters here. And I think that 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 says a lot about our city. Yep. It says a lot about us as a sports town. Um and maybe it'll help us continue to grow. Maybe we'll get that NHL team. Maybe that N NBA team. Before you get to the next point, I uh, just want to do a one quick favor, if you don't mind. Please like the stream. Uh, please like the stream. If you're not already subscribed, please subscribe. We are uh, on the precipice, if that's the right word to use here. I don't know, but I'm going to use it anyways. Of, of really getting perhaps what I would consider our first national brand to, uh, to sponsor us. And... You guys have been incredibly loyal to us from the very get-go. The fact that there's this many people deciding that they wanted to take their President's Day of all the holidays in the world. Um, President's Day, I know, means a lot to all of us. The fact that you're spending it with us means a lot. And I just want to say that when we get this agreement, I hope, um, it's on the goal line. I think it's there, but you get the point. Um, that you support us and you continue to support us and we thank you for that and hopefully it continues to give us opportunities to bring more and more people on we're meeting uh meeting with some other talent i guess is the other term to use here um that we want to try to continue to provide fun banter yes but relatively sincere good sports talk in southwest ohio the tri-state cincinnati the queen city mouse cop wants to know is it bud light uh it's not it's not bud light all right, damn. Uh, outside of that, I think if you want to talk about it, we can. But my, my next headline in sports was the All Star Game. So do you do you, do you want to go straight to that, or do you want to do your thing first? Let's do your thing. Okay, NBA All Star Weekend. This was uh, this is a weekend that many uh, love. I guess you want to say a lot of the basketball fans out there think it's cool. I don't really. There's the celebrity game. There's uh, I think it was oh, who was the Casey? Who was the player who dropped forty? Drop forty. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's Lillard. The or there. Carl Anthony Towns. Game, celebrity game. Celebrity game. Oh, celebrity game. That um, NFL player. You don't know. All right, then never mind. Oh, I Michael should, Parsons. I, I mean, Michael, Michael Parsons. Parsons. Michael Parsons. Uh, thank you. I was trying to figure it out and I couldn't think of it just then. It's okay. Um, but yeah, the celebrity game is nothing. They do like a G League game. Nothing. Uh, outside of that, you have the three point contest, which I thought was cool. Um, it was Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu three point challenge. Uh, again, I, I think stuff like that is, is way more fun than the actual like skills competition. Um, but it was an okay. It was I guess it was an okay NBA All Star Weekend. The court was cool. I thought it was a little I much. I thought at, the court was pretty sweet. It was a little much at times. Yes. It was a little much at times, but that's okay. Uh, the dunk contest that's lost all its magic. Yes. That's terrible. I don't know if anybody watched it, but Mac McClung, a guy who doesn't play in the NBA, won it for right. the second straight time. For the second straight it feels year, like every single time the NBA dunk contest has been on its deathbed, uh, something has resurrected it. Somebody's come back. Somebody has made it just entertaining enough to where you're like, oh my gosh, we have to continue to do this. 
Blake Griffin, I think there for a short amount of time, he kind of carried the dunk contest, right? Um, and then Vince Carter before that was carrying the dunk contest. And I'm sure I'm missing somebody between between Blake Griffin to what is now Mac, Max, Max McClung. Mac. 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 He was a great player in high school. And he obviously went to Georgetown, ended up not working out there, and he went to Texas Tech. Was a pretty good player at Texas great Tech. Great at Texas Tech. And the crazy thing is, he's, I mean, if you're playing in the G League, you know that you're pretty damn good. But my point to, to all of it is, is, yes, you don't have an NBA player theoretically dunking, uh, winning the dunk contest. Can we just call it what it is? At some point, they just need to make it more or less like an award, an award ceremony slash like maybe some contest. I thought the shooting competitions were fun. I thought the three point comp the three point contest was that's the best. The be part. That's the best competition that there yeah. is, right? One hundred percent. And again, Curry versus Sabrina was awesome. She she had the, a higher score than every guy in the regular three point contest. But then it was against Steph Curry, and Steph Curry is just a legend. So final was 20, 28, 26, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the dunk contest, by the way, the participants were Mac McClung, Jacob Toppin, and Jaime Jaquez Jr. Not to be it confused was, it was by also Obi. The only NBA player was Jalen Brown, and he, his dunks were terrible. They were bad. Listen, there's only so many things that the, that, that, that the human body can do to dunk a basketball, and we've come close to meeting that. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's the problem with the dunk contest. I don't think the dunk contest has gotten any worse, per se. I just think that the, the expectations of what the dunk contest can possibly bring have gotten to where you're like, oh, we've already, we've already seen somebody do this. That's not better than that. And at some point, you just run out of literally physical limitations. So yeah. that's where we're at now. Um, unless there's some unbelievable phenom that can come and, and, and do something. The only chance, and this is where I think that the NBA would have to make a radical change to a certain extent, the only chance that I think the dunk, cost, the dunk contest still has a chance to exist is if they decide to move it away from being the featured event, they move it before the, the three-point contest, they allow the three-point contest to become kind of the, the marquee event, which I think it could be and should be. And they then, then they open it up to the public. I think it should be an open invite dunk contest. Yeah. And then they have some kind of regional dunk contest. And then all the champions of the regional dunk contest, then they get to go and they get to dunk. And you got some random cat from New York City. And then you got some right. guy from L.A. that you've never heard of before. And then all of a sudden, you got a little bit of intrigue. There's, there's some entertainment there. Let's face it. There are a lot of players, and by players, I mean, there's a lot of people that are unbelievably good at basketball in this country. Yeah. The problem is they're not unbelievable at the actual game of basketball. They're just street players. But they're entertaining to watch. There could be even, like, I would even be open to there being, like, a street game that would even be more entertaining than the All-Star game at this point. Yeah. Because those guys are going to play hard. Yeah, 100%. I, I think what they what, what they need to do is again stutters on point this morning. What they need to do you're, you're doing is fine, Elliot. Just keep going. Thank you, Trace. That was very kind of you after yeah. you made fun of it earlier. It's President's Day. It's, it is President's Day, and again, a lot of people are forgetting that. It's I know this is a morning where you really think about all the great presidents that we've had, like Joe Biden. Um, so anyway, the Western Conference was Don't obliterated. What was that? Don't forget Donald and Donald. Yeah. Two great ones. Uh, the Western Conference was obliterated. Two eleven uh, one eighty six by the East. Just worthless. I mean, that game means nothing. It's very clear that the MLB is the only All-Star game that's worth a damn. Uh, and again, maybe that's maybe that's not even saying a ton. I, I think the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game, MLB All-Star game, it's by far the best. 
by far the best. Uh, everybody's trying. Everybody's having fun. NBA, I was watching the broadcast, I think, the first 30 minutes. I watched a little bit of the pregame and then about the first quarter. Draymond was on the pregame broadcast. And, and, and I, forget who, I forget who the co-host of it was, but she was asking Draymond, uh, so who do you think is going to win MVP? And she was going down listing some guys. You think Luke is going to win MVP? Draymond into the mic in front of national television for the All-Star game. No, I don't think he's going to try very hard in this one. What about Nikola Jokic? He's got a chance for it? Nah, he's not going to really try that hard in this one. And it's just like, what are, we, what, what are we doing? Why are we playing this? Casey, I have that clip of Luca, if I may. Yep. Um, and again, maybe we'll get copyright stricken for this, but I don't care. <laughs> if you take a game, this was, by the way, you can check the clock here. There's 24 seconds on the shot clock. 24 seconds. There is 34 seconds left in the half. Where is Luca going to pull up for from? How about the other side of the court? You're gonna love this though. Look at that. The, the, can I can I can I talk for a minute? What are we do? What Please. are we doing? I'll tell you exactly what he was doing, and I actually think it's hilarious because he tweeted it after the game, and by tweet I mean post, obviously on X.com. He said, two for one." Hashtag analytics. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't find that funny, man, I don't know what to tell you. There's 34 seconds on the clock. He realized there was 34 seconds. It's a 24 second shot clock. He heaves up a three-quarter court shot because he knows that ultimately they're going to get the ball back anyways. That's analytics is what he said. But would you rather – why would you – well, that's not – I mean, by the way, he tweeted that from the locker room, which is very funny as well. But, uh, again, why, why are we even playing it? Just make it like a quarter. Make it like 10 minutes long. and, and we'll, Or just do like – go back to like one-on-one -on -one basketball. There is a way to do this where it's not painful for everybody to watch. Uh, and when you score 3 million points in that game, by the way, tough look for your guy. Whatever friend, Trace walked into, I guess he brought a friend in to the office the other day on his phone. He, and me and him had an argument about NBA defense. It's a tough scene. You're right going to use the NBA All-Star game. You're going to use the NBA All-Star game as your claim on. to fame as to why the NBA doesn't play defense. Listen, all I was Luka saying the other day, up that let's ball do it now. From 90 feet. You want to do it now? Let's do it now. 90 feet he chucked it up. Listen, I, for the longest time, used to watch college basketball exclusively. Did not watch the NBA. And still, to a certain extent, still don't watch the NBA because, one, there's not a team in the city. If there were a team in the city, I think I would watch it religiously and I would root for the, whoever's from our city. But I do not watch the NBA for that reason, I think, for the most part. And then outside of that, I don't have the league pass and I just don't pay attention to it as a whole. I also think that, the similar to Major League Baseball, the regular season is so damn long that it's really hard to be invested, especially when you start to get into load management, et cetera, et cetera. But I used to be the guy that would sit there and yell, oh, they don't play defense, they don't play defense, they don't play defense. And I do think that that's an easy cop-out answer as to, as to why the scores are high. The scores are high, yes, partly because defense isn't played maybe the same, but it's also a longer game, shorter shot clock, more field goal opportunities, and to be honest with you, much better players. And I'm not suggesting that you can't love college basketball and hate the NBA or hate or uh, love the NBA and hate college basketball. They're two, to a certain extent, different, different entertainment value. But I'm not going to sit here and allow Elliot and everyone else tell me that they never play defense. I watch some of these games. They, they try to play defense, maybe not on every single possession during a regular season, of course. Some of it's load management. I mean, you're asking these guys to play 40 minutes of basketball theoretically, uh, and I think it's more than 40, and don't quote me on the top of my head. Elliot, please figure out how many minutes they actually play. Yep. Um, 
But my point is, is that they're not going to play hard every single minute, every single game in an 80, 82 regular uh, game regular season. It's not happening. During the playoffs, yeah, it intensifies. But I do think there should be an appreciation for how damn good these guys are when you watch them make shots. I watched Auburn shoot the other day, and they, like I said, they literally couldn't hit anything. And, yes, I'll give Kentucky some credit because maybe they were playing some defense, but I got news for you. More times than not in college basketball, it's not really the defenses that, that's, that's limiting the scoring. It's the scoring ability of the actual players that are playing college basketball. And that's okay if you like that style of play. I personally do. I like the drama that comes with college basketball. I like the atmospheres. And yes, I do like some of the pageantry, if you will. But I'm not going to suggest that the NBA, the only reason they're scoring that many points is because they don't play defense, Elliot. I think it's less defense than ever. But again, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things. RM says this segment's tired, but uh, again... With this busy sports weekend, this was this was clearly the top of the list. Um, I don't know what else there was really, but that that, that was there was a lot. There was a what? Give me outside one. of uh, Xavier didn't play. Xavier did not play. They took the weekend off. Yeah, but it was it's President's weekend. I don't blame them. Right. They probably wanted to get a head start on their President's Day uh, celebrations. That's correct. That's probably what it was. Um, oh, they want uh, Mouse Cop wants Casey's MLS preview. MLS preview? Can we do an MLS preview this week, like on Friday? Can we do an MLS preview? Man. Sure. That's what the people want. I'll give people, them what they want. <laughs> the people want an MLS preview. When does the season start? Next week? The home opener is the 25th. 25th. I'm going to it. That is so. That's this weekend? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. They're playing on Sunday? And they'll play the all weather? the way until October. What's the weather on Sunday? You're going to go out to a soccer game. Where's this game at? TQL. TQL. Oh, wow. I'm going is it a regular it. season game or is it just a is – it, is it this, um, this is the start of the regular – Training. No, I, th I think this is the start of the regular season. This right. is their home opener, I believe. All right. Well, then we'll I guess, I guess we'll have, we have no other choice. We have no other choice. If you think last, – uh, last little thing on this, I'm going to get into guaranteed contracts for a quick second. Is if, if you think the NBA doesn't play any defense at all, that's fine. Just – Turn on, turn on one of the games, okay, that is happening on a random Monday or Tuesday or whatever day, and just, and just watch for a little while, and you'll realize, holy crap, like, they're trying. First of all, you can't hand check. They space the floor incredibly well. It's hard to stay in front of a guy if you've ever tried to play defensive basketball, especially if there's some fluidity there. you got seven footers that are able to step back and hit threes. It's just a different game. Guys are just that good, and it makes it look like they're not playing defense. That's the take I have. All right. Um, guaranteed contracts. I wanted to bring this up because Justin Jefferson, uh, news report that came out that he is uh, in a situation right now with the Vikings where the Vikings would like to get a deal done. They've settled on a number that they both feel good about. Now the issue isn't so much the number as it is the guaranteed part of it. See, the guaranteed thing happened not too long ago, obviously, in the NFL. And there before that, there was no such thing as guaranteed contracts in the NFL. The question I have for everybody is, are guaranteed contracts a good thing or a bad thing for the sport in general? And I don't usually like to take the side of, <clears throat> excuse me, the millionaire or the billionaire or the owners. Although lately it seems like that's where I've, I've kind of uh, fallen to the side of. And that is, in what other industry in the world, what other job sector in the world, 
can you sign a, an agreement that essentially could possibly allow you to get paid and you not work? And, oh, by the way, if you, if you, if you sign an agreement and you don't live up to the standards in which we've come to expect, well, that's okay too because it's guaranteed and it, regardless of how you perform, you still get paid. It seems as if in the NFL, owners are obviously more and more less likely to offer these opportunities up to the position that's outside the quarterback. But when you have superstars, they have leverage. There seems to be some fandom that obviously wants that player to stay. The owners probably get in a predicament where they feel like they have to maybe stretch what they would like to do into something that the player would like to do, and you find yourself into guaranteed contracts. I have to be honest when I say this. I hate guaranteed contracts. I like the principle of the idea that the player deserves the money and you can't cut them just because you don't want to do you you want them to be, have an opportunity later in their career when they're still somewhat, you know, serviceable, right? That that makes sense to me. For instance, if you sign a running back, right, to a 5-year deal worth X amount of dollars, and there's only a small percentage of it that's guaranteed, it does seem disingenuous that if that player <clears throat> gets hurt, that you take you could take away the entire thing outside of the little money that they got on the guaranteed side of things, which is how it was before in the NFL. That seems, that seems like an issue. It also seems equally as an issue to me that somebody can sign a five-year deal Similar, or, or what? let's take Deshaun Watson's deal for a specific example. It seems crazy to me that it's fair that a guy like Deshaun Watson can make the same amount of money no matter what, regardless of how he performs going forward. And I get it. The team signed it. So kudos to the player. They deserve the money. But it also seems like it could take away the integrity of the game the more and more these guaranteeing contracts are offered out. Because you're going to limit yourself on the back end of the opportunities of being able to go and sign players that can help your franchise moving forward. It would be nice to continue to have the NFL be very, very competitive year in, year out. For just And I get it. You're going to say, well, some of the same teams win all the time. They do. But I'm saying that if you are a, if you are a fan of a franchise, the way and the reason that we all pretty much love the NFL is that you can go from a team that you thought was going to be the worst in the NFL to being very, very competitive in the Houston, Texas in a short order. And the concern I have with guaranteed contracts are, at some point, you're now locking yourself into having disasters on the back end to where you're going to have teams, and again, dead cap is obviously already still a thing now, but I think dead cap would become way more of a thing, certainly, if there's guaranteed contracts, and on top of that, it turns into where there's going to be, and for lack of a better term, dead franchises for periods of time in the NFL now because of guaranteed contracts specifically. Yeah, and one of the, the things, I don't want to go super crazy in-depth into this conversation because I don't want to lose people, but there is a cap, there's a cap, and then there's a cash cap. And that's where your guaranteed contracts come into play for these teams. And the cash cap 
if he gets more than one year fully guaranteed, completely based, it basically takes away any hope of you signing any other player this year because you're expending all your cash cap this year on one fully like one contract that's fully guaranteed. That's basically how it works. Unless you can, can uh, get a guy to sign without having any guaranteed money, which that's just tough. That's why the Vikings don't want to do it is because they want to be able to build a, a complete roster with multiple contracts that they can fully guarantee one year and just be the norm. Uh, teams like the Browns, who you've seen what that what that looks like when it goes horribly wrong. I mean, they're going to lose all the players that they just brought into the team last year. And they're, they're not going to have that number one defense anymore because they're losing like Sedarius Smith and a couple other guys. It's just stuff like that. You don't want to... It's like an all-in move. The, it would be dumb of the Vikings to go all-in on Justin Jefferson because they don't have a complete roster. It'd be one thing if they had a complete roster and would go all-in on a quarterback or one one final piece if you have the – if you're like in Joe Burrow situation, right? If you are one piece away, like a receiver, you go do that for Justin Jefferson. But they're not that. They're, they're still in a bit of a rebuilding phase. So it doesn't make sense for the Vikings to do more than one year fully guaranteed. The crazy thing that is the whole guaranteed, not guaranteed, I guess, that I'm going to ask, and I, I, I'm not suggesting that I'm on one side of the aisle exclusively. I'm more or less asking for feedback here, if anything. Is, is there any upside to guaranteed contracts for fans? I mean, yeah, the player, obviously. Clearly, that's the big part of this. But it, but it, it seems like Major League Baseball has guaranteed contracts, and the only way in which... Again, that could come back to bite the franchise more often than it can bite the player. And my point to this is, is that as a fan, not that you want to root against the player and not that you want to be pro-billionaire, pro-owner, but you certainly don't want to find yourself in a position where it, it's, come to ex, it's come to the expectation that all of these big superstars, Jamar Chases of the world, are going to expect guaranteed contracts and my point is, is that if it doesn't work out, the only one that has to lose is the fan in a way. Yeah. If it does work out, then that's what you are going to get regardless. Right. But I think there's a line. And I think when, you, when you're giving a player a guaranteed contract, you're A, you're showing commitment to him, right? And I, and I think that's the most important thing. You're, you're loyal to your guy. He knows every every night he's going to get paid. There's there's no concern for him getting cut, traded, or whatever. Uh, he's going to make his money, and that's his money. That's his dollar. That's his value. I think there is there is something important to that for a player to be able to perform well. It just seems but like can we I, find a way, way in the middle? I, I think there is a point in the middle, and I think the way you do that is with incentives. I think that's I think more contracts should be incentive based. I remember when Hunter Green got signed, there were a lot of people on X.com saying, that's a terrible deal. That's a terrible deal. Hunter Green is going to make the most money if he's very, very good. If he's very good for the Reds, he's going to make a ton of money, a lot of it. And that should be what every contract essentially should be. And, and th most contracts have those incentives built in there. But I think it should be more incentive-based yeah. And, and the base salary should be should be less. I think there should be yeah. guaranteed money. Like, I think you should be paid. 
but I don't think that the, the, what your guaranteed contract is, I don't think you should have that number every single year. It should be based on incentives. And I then think- there's always greedy bastards, and that's why none of this ever works out. It's because one side of the aisle realizes they have leverage, so they utilize it to their advantage, and then you never get anything that's relatively fair and seem, it seems like in the world of business, which is where this ultimately goes. Because Russell Wilson's a perfect example as to why the incentives thing could be a little bit worrisome. Because if you, if you start building in all these incentives and then all of a sudden they realize that there's these huge qualifiers that they could possibly hit or not hit, then you're left to the discretion of the coach and or the franchise who, let's be honest, the owners control the general manager, the owners control the coaches, especially if they have something specific that they have to have or they want, then you find yourself in a position where that's a problem. Right. So there's no perfect answer, and that's why, as as uh, we've said around here, and Reed specifically says, if there was an easy solution to it, we've it would have already been done. That's why these complex these complex issues that that surround our society are never fixed, per se. What people want to say is fixed, because there's not a simple solution. So from these contracts moving forward in the NFL, I get the concept of the player wanting to be protected from injury, etc or they want to be just valued. And as I said before, and I know people made fun of it, Everett, um, (laughs) about how high your possible stock could get. That's part of the, that's the part of the negotiating power that these players have. Justin Jefferson's stock is very high right now. Even though he did just get hurt last year and missed some time. Could you imagine Joe Burrow right now? If he decided to pass on last year and not because the stock wasn't all the way as high as it could possibly get. I mean, it was just so damn close it couldn't possibly get any more. But let's just say, for instance, I don't know, Joe was like, you know what? My stock could get a little bit higher. I'm going to hold out. I'm going to play one more year and show him. Could you imagine what that contract looks like now for Joe Burrow? It's got to be significantly different. Yeah. It has to be. So... At the end of it all, it all comes down to leverage and negotiating power, and it just seems like I hope we don't get... I hope it doesn't go down the path of Major League Baseball is what I'm getting at, which is you find yourself in a position where you're paying Bobby Bonilla and Ken Griffey Jr. 30 years after they're done playing because you try to structure something that you had to guarantee money, when in reality, it was just because they had a great either players union and or they had all the leverage in the world. I'd like for that to shift somewhere back in the middle. I don't think that having 10 years you know, 500 million guaranteed is a very good thing if you get down to it in the sen- in the sense of entertainment in the NFL. That's all. Yeah. And the thing about the incentives too is like coaches can easily sit a guy the end of the year and they're yards shy of hitting those incentives. Now most of the time like Jamar Chase hit they that would, record, they would they would just put him in there and play. But there's some there's some teams out there that, for sure, if it was like 100 yards away, wouldn't even attempt to do it for them. And then Could that, they possibly do it? To be fair to, to, to Elliot, I think you could do this, though. You could make it to where it's just like there's a little bit of an elevator there to where it's just per yard. So, you know, you have the 1,000. Yeah, the, instead of making it like you got to get 1,000 yards receiving or whatever, it's just, and that sounds crazy, yard. but, you know, basically per yard is this much money. And... Yeah, if you extrapolate that over to a thousand, then it equals the same. Yeah, but we're gonna that get in a work. position now where you know you you know in essence that it's going to probably be within this window of money because that's the way they perform. But at least you protect yourself both ways. Yeah, that could work. 
I just don't know if it'll ever get to be that. I don't think any coach would ever do that, Casey, because they know they would lose the locker room, and at that point, you don't have a job as a head coach. There would be, there are times when you like. Yeah, but I mean, there's, there's, you're trying to either a win a Super Bowl or b win your money, right? As a player, and sure, it's it's a little bit of both. But I would also, I mean, the only time that I've even seen it done is uh, with Russell Wilson this past year. That's the only time that I can think of that a coach openly and willingly tried to not have him hit his mark of what he needed to do to get his money. And I think that's, that's a, that was very bad. I thought that's bad. I think that's very bad for the sport. So and he, any coach who would do it would get killed. So that's, that's where I think the line is. I the can only be wrong on that. How many players, though, that have had significant amount of money on something specific that a coach could or could not hold them out of, I would say that if you have more and more incentive-based contracts, you're going to get to where there's a significant amount of money based off certain things. So it would be, it's, gonna, it's going to be a big enough of an issue or a big enough of a deal to try to make it something. That's why Russell Wilson's situation happened is because it was that big of a deal to them. Um, if it was like $100,000, you know, if this guy catches 10 passes today, I think, or whatever it is, maybe it's a million dollars. My point is, I don't think that's as big of a deal. Um, all right. Um, over the weekend, um, very, very, very busy weekend at that, I did see some chain-linked fence footage of some guys throwing bullpens, some, guys throwing, some guys throwing in the backfields, having a little um, live at-bats against each other, a little inner squad, if you want to call it that. And I... I I guess what I'm getting at is is that more or less sometimes I wonder if people are overreacting or if it's just a, if it's just a way to try to build some some semblance of excitement. Um, there's these large long columns that I'm reading. There's these big articles about this guy feeling this way and and um, you know what is what is Rhett louder? What does he think based off his, his, his at bat against Tyler Stevenson? And what does Tyler Stevenson think about Rhett Louder? And everybody says a bunch of nice things about everybody. The truth is that there are some interesting things to talk about this Reds team about. And I don't think that it has anything to do with how good or how bad Rhett Louder is going to be and what Tyler Stevenson thinks. There is one piece of note that happened over the weekend that I know that you may have interest in. And I don't know if you've seen go. it or not. There was an interview... Um, station to be unnamed um no with jonathan answer. india with jonathan india okay and it wasn't a crazy interview there was just some softball questions here and there but the one thing that jonathan india said that was interesting was that 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 was a little bit of a change of tune was that he's excited he's excited to try to help the team in any way in which he can and that he's looking forward to playing a little bit of outfield and a little bit of first base that was said out loud by Jonathan India. Now, that was something we all probably knew that was going to happen. But for me, that's the first time that I actually heard him say that. So, I'll take it at face value. I will assume that he's excited and he's willing to want to go and do the things that this team's going to ask him to do. The question ultimately comes down to is what happens with the rest of the guys? Now, we have Chatterbox Reds tonight. I'm sure we'll get into a plethora of these topics. Nick said he had two pages worth of notes on spring training and that's that's <laughs> that's fantastic because that's that is nick kirby at his best that's why people love that's why people love the curbs uh my only thing about the reds at this point is is let's just be slow to judge there's too many people that want to write off jose barrera and i i genuinely mean that 
There's too many people that want to that that want to like cut Stuart Fairchild. There's people out here suggesting that we want to cut Stuart Fairchild and cut Jose Barrero so we can make room for Josh Harrison. What? That's like, in my opinion, deciding that deciding that you rather have a uh, uh, fifty cents, which isn't worth anything, by the way. Than taking two scratch offs for ten bucks a piece. I'd rather I'd rather scratch two ten dollar tick uh, ten dollar scratch offs off personally than take fifty cents. Is that not a fair analogy? That's fair. I but here's but here's the thing with Jose Barrera specifically. Oh, he doesn't have. He's out of minor league. He's he's out of minor league contracts. He's done. This is it. I understand. This is his last and, game. And same with Stu. So I, again, the Reds have nine players in the forty man who are out of minor league options. Uh, you have that list? I have it right in front of me. Go ahead. Condelario is one, but that's not going to be a concern, hopefully, God willing. Jose Barrero, yep. Stuart Fairchild, yep. your guy, Buck Farmer, my yep. guy, Ian Jabot, yep. Tom's guy, Luke Maley, yep. uh, Evan Maurer's guy, Nick Martinez, Reed's guy, Frankie Montas, and then Lucas Sims. Lucas Sims also out of options. Okay, so um, the, the, the three that come to mind specifically – right now, are Jose Brer, Stuart Fairchild, and Buck Farmer. Yep. Outside of that, those other names that are on that list, things would have to go drastically bad for them to be considered to be optioned. Yes? That's, I, I would put Ian Jabot with those guys, but yes. Uh, Ian Jabot threw the ball pretty well, but okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll add put it. Ian Jabot with those we'll, guys. We'll add it in there. That way there's not a third wheel. We'll okay. A nice, round, good, good wholesome, four. even number of four. Good four. Um, the two... The two um, <clears throat> Bullpen guys are going to make the big league club unless something goes drastically bad, largely because there's options for some of the other relievers. And I think what will end up happening is, 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 as you'll hear anybody say, especially obviously on Chatterbox Reds, Nick will certainly be the first to bring up, there will be injuries that happen during spring training. Who that's going to ultimately be, we will not find out. Until it actually happens. But I... Am I the only one that thinks to themselves that Jose Barrero's a guy that's just not really got an opportunity to show completely what he's capable of doing at the big league level yet? I think that's fair. I But again, he came up... He came, To your point, he came up at a time when it was so early in his career... So early. He was there specifically because we had quite literally zero options left. He was the only guy that could somewhat play at this level. They brought him up during the COVID year, and I'd say it didn't work out. He struggled. And ever since then, it's been these little spurts. It's been these little one-month stretches, two-month stretches. And you are right. It's not enough consistent playing time to warrant a, a, a for-sure factor on him. But I think for this specific – I think for this specific Reds team – if you're going to make the argument India doesn't have a place, and you can make that argument, I would say Jose Barrero is in the same exact camp. He's in worse camp than, than, than Jonathan Far India. worse. Yes, yeah, so 100%. Uh, let's, be, uh, let's be clear here. If everybody stays healthy, there's going to be a tough decision that needs to be made in this front office. And by tough, some might laugh at that. I think that, 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 that most of the fan base is out on Jose Barrero. Most of the fan base, if you bring up Stuart Fairchild, largely because of the slander that Elliot Rearing brings, then, then realistically speaking, they're like, oh, who cares? Just get rid of Fairchild. I don't care. They're young players. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. 
But to sit here and think to myself that if Jonathan India were to get traded to make room for Jose Brer and or Stuart Fairchild, if you believed wholeheartedly that they were big league players, that's not that crazy of an idea. But maybe, just maybe, and it's not a long sample size. That's the crazy thing. There's not a lot of time left to be had on trying to figure out exactly what it is that this Reds team wants to do. And by Reds team, I mean the front office of what they want to do with Jose Barrero. Because the time's ticking. David Bell said that he's not a big fan of making a big to-do about spring training. What did he go? Performances is the term he used. And if that's the case, and then, and I don't know if that's shared throughout the rest of the front office or not, but you have to find yourself in a position now with Jose Barrero to where if he plays well or, or he, looks, he looks the part at the beginning of spring training, what do you actually do? Because if you decide to just let him go, he's getting picked up. Is that fair? 100% fair. If you option him, he's gone. Is there? A, what are the chances that he stays? What are the chances? Like 0%, right? 0% chance that if you decide that you're going to send Jose Barrero down, he's getting picked up. I think that not only would he get picked up based on the the potential talent he has, I think he would, I imagine, would be tired of the of the AAA repeat, AAA Major League AAA repeat that the Reds have given him over the past four years. I think, I imagine a player like that would be tired of having to deal with it and trying to start fresh somewhere else. I think as much a benefit for him as it would be for the franchise, uh, for him to, to for him not to be here any longer. Because what is he really doing? And, and what, what's there is no point to Jose Barrero, right? I mean, he's not going to contribute this year if everything goes right. And, and he doesn't really. Again, we know what he can be in AAA. He hits these monster blasts. He he can he contributes at a high level down in AAA. But it just seems like every little month we give him, and I know it's not enough sample size. I know I get that. But for some the, suggest that it is enough sample size. But for those sample sizes, let's be very clear: he's not good. For the little sample size we have, we've had, he, he's very rarely shown us anything for me to say, all right, this guy can contribute at a high level. There are, there's a couple games here and there, but it, this is not the guy that, that we thought he would be at this point. It's, but that's okay. That's the way baseball works. And unfortunately for him, we've, we've passed him by by a mile. There is quite literally not a spot on this team where Jose Barrero fits at this, at, at this current juncture. And I could be wrong. But I don't. I don't think I am. I think at this point you cut ties with him. Um, maybe you try. I don't. But I, here's the thing. What do you? What can you trade him for? Anything? You get anything from him? No, you definitely could get. It, what do you it, get? It, from it him? only take not not a lot. No, not a lot. N- not nothing of significance. Um, but something's better than nothing. Sure. And. It would be interesting to see what happens with Jose Barrera. And, 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 and you know what? Sometimes you think that guys don't get a fair shake, so you turn into fans of him. You start rooting for him maybe more than you should. And maybe that's where I'm at with Jose Barrera. Maybe perhaps, you know, he's not as good as, as, as I hope that he could be or would be or should be. But Barrera's in a situation now where he's on the chopping block. Because if it's not, if it's not India, I don't see how you make room for Jose Barrera. 
Stuart Fairchild's a better defender in the outfield. If you told me right now, if you had to take Stuart Fairchild or Jose Barrero, I'd have to take Fairchild just based off the fact of what he brings defensively. You're moving Barrero to the outfield again where he's not grown up playing at all in his life. So I don't suspect to stick him out there and then it go all that well. Um, the kid had 68 bats when he was 22 years old. He had 50 at-bats when he was 23, and he's had back-to-back -back seasons at 24 and 25. He's had 165 and 133, to be fair. Um, I think this game is more mental, more times than, in, than physical once you get to the upper echelons of the sport. There's no doubt in my mind. Once you get if – if, if you have the ability to play in AAA and you have the ability to play in AAA relatively well, then the only thing in my mind that really separates yourself from being a AAA guy – and a major league player, more times than not, is the mental fortitude that it takes to play every day in the big leagues. And we'll find out how many of these guys have mental fortitude to be able to perform consistently at the big league level. I just wonder what it is that Jose Barrero has left for this franchise to give. And um, maybe it is fair to say that he deserves somewhere outside of Cincinnati to get a clean, fair chance. But there's some, there's some semblance of, 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 in the back of my mind, every time I think, okay, I'm ready, let's get rid of Barrera. I have to be honest. There's a semblance of fear slash doubt that this guy is going to leave and become a very good player. The, Nick Kirby said it in the chat, the only way he would come up, and again, it, would, it could happen, is an injury during spring training and he'd be on the team. But obviously, once that player healed, what are you going to do with him? At that point, he'd be gone. So, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, well, I, my whole point of this whole thing was this. To sit here and suggest that you want Harrison to take the spot of a Barrero and or a Stuart Fairchild seems crazy talk to me. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, yes, he's had a good big league career, but... I mean, let's call it what it is. Sometimes when you're walking off the 18th green, we all know the round's over. And I'm not saying Harrison doesn't have maybe a, a, a puncher's chance to have a, a hot week here or a hot week there. But to him be the reason as to why you would want to get rid of Barrero or Stuart Fairchild seems outlandish to me. I don't think it's you would want either or I think you would you would probably rather have you know who would you rather have in a one-time at bat hypothetically the the game's on the line but that's not what we're been, doing let's, here. Let's, let's just do it hypothetically let's just do it hypothetically the game's on the line you have two guys left in the dugout you have Jose Barrera you have Josh Harrison who's getting the at bat at the end uh, and the answer know Josh and, Harrison's the answer correct but, but but correct but that's not how this works you you, you it's but it there's, is there's, a, there's how, a franchise here there's more than one year at play not for, but that's what I'm saying. There's not, though, because, because Barrero's out of options. Well, I'm saying that if you're going to actually option Barrero because you – first of all, hey, there's – as I talk through this, how many things have to happen before we even get ourselves in a position where Barrero and Harrison are on the cut line? Like, there would have to be – I don't want to say significant, but there has, there'd have to be some injuries here. There, it, it, everything would have to go terribly wrong. For those two to play time, for those two to get a shot at the, the Reds roster this year. 
If I had to bet, Jose Barrera will see an at-bat with the Reds. I would bet Josh Harrison will not see an at-bat with the Reds. To answer your question, to go back to your question. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like the the Reds obviously made a decision in the middle of the in the in the middle of the winter that when you you bring over Candelario, it 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 definitely puts an onus on the fact that if you're not going to trade Jonathan India, then you've decided that you've you you've you've had your run in the sun with Jose Barrero and that's done. Right? Yeah. Ultimately, that's the decision that was made in the middle of the winter. If and, and here's the crazy thing is have the Reds gotten themselves in a position where they've backed themselves into a corner where they didn't plan on doing that, they didn't want to do that. But the fact of the matter is, is Jonathan India is still a Red, and if he changes his attitude and he wants to play wherever it is that, that he's asked to be played, then now you're in a position where, okay, there's a roster spot being taken up that you thought you were probably going to have shipped away somewhere. And... Whether that's the right move or the wrong move, we'll find out. At the end of it all, though, I wonder, and I ask myself, is it going to play that big of a difference one way or the other? And the answer ultimately comes back to probably not. But I would tell you there's no doubt in my mind that if you told me that I had to have Harrison on the bench or Barrero on the bench just strictly out of the idea of I wanted to keep a guy for a little bit longer to see maybe, just maybe, somebody goes down with injury and Barrero comes in and he becomes the player that we all thought he could or should be a couple years ago, then I'd much rather have that as an opportunity than to have a, a an aging bat on the bench that, quite honestly, when they come up to the plate, I don't know how, how, how confident I'd be in either one of them. I don't know if it's fair or not. I have a couple. Quote, I have a couple. I've turned into a Jose Barrero stand. I, I guess at this point. I did. You are the biggest Jose Barrero fan there is. You should get his jersey. Um, outside, outside of that, we've got a couple quotes uh, from spring training over the past weekend, over the past uh, week or so. Derek Johnson says Hunter Green is working on a curveball and a splitter. How about that? Yeah. You excited for that? I don't know what to make of any of this. I, I really don't. I. Two pitches. Two additional pitches. That's where you lose me. <laughs> two pitches? We're adding two pitches to the arsenal? Are you suggesting to me, Elliot, that the guy figured it out so fast with the first pitch that he's like, you know what? I got this one down, Pat. No need to worry about it. Throw me the next one. What's what's the next pitch? Maybe that's I hope I'm wrong, but anytime I hear a pitcher saying that they've 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 got two new pitches, I don't know. You only need three. You, you only really need. Well, one would argue you need one, but I think if you have two elite pitches, yeah. you, you, you could be an elite pitcher, period. If you can spot a fastball, right, and you, and you have a good changeup, you're going to get guys out more times than not. The greatest closer in the history of the game threw one pitch. Now it was elite, but it was one pitch. I think sometimes people make these pitches out to be more than they are can you spot a fastball or not let's start there can you get it ahead of the count and then from there can you dictate what you want to throw or or, or does, does basically the count dictate what you have to throw Hunter Green's in a spot this year where it's uh, I don't want to say it's put up or shut up yes he's young I get all that but let's face it 
if he struggles again or there's or there's or the significant amount of stress that's put on the fact that either he gets hurt um, or he doesn't pitch well, there will be pressure on him like he's never had before in the city. There will be rumblings. I think there's always rumblings, unfortunately, in the city regarding him. But I think there's still a lot of people that don't believe in him. There's still people that think he was somehow overpaid with one of the most team-friendly well, deals of all time. Case. Yeah. But, yeah, I – I'm not going to say it's put up or shut up time yet, but it is certainly getting close. I think my biggest thing for him this year over anything, I, I'll take him having a 4-2 ERA, but him making every start or close to it. I'd rather him play a majority of this season than have a Cy Young caliber 16 games. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's the wrong opinion, but I'm looking for health. Out of him, I'm looking for it out of Lodolo. Shout out to Evan. I'm looking, I'm looking for health. I want these guys to be there all year round consistently. That's what I want. Will I get it? Probably not. If I told you Hunter Green was going to make all of his starts outside of five, because maybe every start seems every, unrealistic. Yeah, you can't make everyone. And I said that he was going to have a, a 4-5 ERA. That's, that's probably going to be what? 30 starts, 25, 28 starts? I'd, I'd take it. I'd take it. Four and a half ERA. I'd take it. I mean, I understand. I, I and the reason for the reason that some fans would take that is because of the injury bug that has bitten this franchise last year, and specifically maybe even years past. But point is, is that it it would be nice to be able to go through a year where you didn't have to have, you know, on 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 President's Day. It seems like I should shout him out. A guy like Kennedy throwing, although Kennedy did throw the ball relatively well in the nation's capital. I might add. Yeah. But what are the other names? I I can't even think of all the all all of the guys we had throwing the ball last year. Andrew Abbott, um, Brandon Ashcraft. He threw the ball well, but Ashcraft was hurt. Keep going. Uh, Brandon Williamson, Graham Ashcraft, Connor Phillips. Well, you're naming all the good ones. I was talking about all the guys that we just literally called up from the Florence Freedom that we needed to throw. And by Florence Freedom, oh, you mean no like disrespect, Levi Stout. Yes, guys like that. And speaking of Levi Stout, do you yeah, see this? I did see that he got released. So Levi Stout made some headlines a little. I guess if you want to call spring training headlines with a pitcher who's not very good headlines, but certainly these are headlines. So Levi Stout is, I guess, unhappy with the way the Reds have done things. Yeah. The quote is, it was different. It was a little bit of, I'd say, a lack of direction. Yeah. In my sense. It was kind of not much of philosophy. It was kind of just go play baseball and we'll help you along the way. The he hell does he mean he, by that? He, I don't know. He believes the Mariners pitching philosophies and detailed player plans for success can help him get back to a level where he can stay at the MLB level. It was something he didn't have with the Reds. What the hell does that even mean? This is, Whoever was I'll, I'll extend the quote. When we extend the quote, we'll see if he explains it here. Uh, that's the most exciting thing for me is to get back to that process of them looking at me and saying, all right, this is what we know and what can we do to make you the best version of yourself. And just talking to some guys today, there are new tools that weren't here before that I'm excited to try out. I just really want to get to the best version of myself back. I feel like I had it when I was here. I left and got off track a little bit. Now I'm excited to get back on track. All right. So to be clear to hear what I'm, what I'm hearing out of Levi is this, is that he thinks in his mind that the, that the Mariners have some kind of mojo, some kind of system that they have over there that allow him to figure out a way to pitch the ball better in the big leagues. I guess. And the crazy thing about all that is, is I would think that if you're a major league player, you would rather have, in, in my opinion, You'd rather have some kind of flexibility, some kind of autonomy 
when it comes to what you're capable of doing or you're not capable of doing. I would hate to be in a system that they told you this is exactly how you need to throw the ball or this is exactly the types of, of arm slots that we want here. So they change what you do. So not, that's not what Levi was suggesting there. The Reds didn't change what he did. In fact, if you wanted to get, if you wanted to, to, uh, to, to go back to player development for the Reds, which is, oh, you could argue, has not been on that great of late. Um, the biggest argument that I would have is when you change, you change the batting stance of a Nick Senzel. You ask Tyler Stevenson maybe to hit for more power. You do things that ultimately maybe aren't the things that make that player relatively good at what they are trying to accomplish, which is obviously be a major league player. That's where I would think you'd have a problem. If anyone has a, 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 a bone to pick with this franchise, it's Nick Senzel. You pick the guy. 100%. You pick the guy first round. One of the top picks in the draft. You then ask him to play positions he's never played before. You then ask him to change his batting stance. You then ask him to do X, Y, and Z. Well, at some point, why did you draft him? What'd you pick him for? If he's not what you want, then what'd you pick him for? Uh, that's the that Levi sounds more and more or less a guy like he's just trying to get there to be a see there a false sense of confidence that he's going to a new team and he wants to give that franchise a little bit of a pick me up. They want to tell him something that's nice. I think that's a large, you part know, like, Hey, Elliot, you look good today type thing. You yeah. know, whether that's true or not true, it doesn't matter. You're just, you're trying to pick somebody up. I think it's true. But yeah, right. I, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. I think it's him just trying to tell the, the Seattle journalists that he's ready to come home. He's excited. He likes the Mariners more than he likes the Reds. And to each their own. I thought he was terrible, but Godspeed over there in Seattle. I'm sure you'll be a big contributor, Levi. Um, outside of that, I do have a couple more quotes, if that's okay. Uh, I love quotes. Thank you. So we have uh, Emilio Pagan. We, we signed him. He had off-season sports hernia surgery. He is throwing bullpens, but he won't be ready for the start of Cactus League, uh, this, the, the Cactus League schedule. Graham Ashcraft is ready for spring training games. He's officially ready to roll. Nick Lodolio, Lodolio, my God. Lodolio. Nick Lodolo just threw a bullpen. Uh, David Bell said it'll shape his next step. So that looks that looks pretty good. So injury-wise, the Reds seem to be uh, on track a little bit. Injury, again, in Godspeed, we stay healthy. Godspeed, we don't have to throw 75 different players out there this year in a Reds uniform. Who were some of your notable ones last year? Jake Wong. I think Jake Wong came in for one game. As a reliever, he came in for one game during the the rainy game in Baltimore when Brandon Williamson was taken out, and he tweeted that thing at Charlie. Um, man, we've had some. We've had Carson Spires was one of them. Uh, Brett Kennedy. That's man, my there was some good. Huh? That's my favorite one. Carson Spires. No, Kennedy. Brett Kennedy. Never threw in the in the strike zone yet. Yeah. He had. Well, that I is that a different one? I think that's a different one. That's yeah. uh, he's talking about um, Karcher. Yeah, you talk. Yes, you talking about Ricky Carter. Ricky Carter. Yeah. What a wild, what a wild year though. Um, I'll list you the, the the names for those that are wondering of guys that threw the baseball for this team last year. Um, it's it's a long list, so give me a second here. I don't even remember some of these guys, and I thought I watched every single game. Uh, all right, we'll go through the names obviously at the beginning that that most people know. I have uh, I have wins uh, as the number one stat. Is that what we want to do, or do we want to go by innings pitched? 
Go, uh, go, just yeah, just just list them off. Just go I'll do innings pitched. Okay. All right. Uh, number one, Graham Ashcraft. Number two, Brandon Williamson. Then you have Green, Abbott, Weaver. Let's not forget about Luke Weaver, people. Uh, Lively, Jabot, Farmer, Diaz, Cruz, Sims, Law, Young, uh, Lodolo, Duarte, Sessa. How could you forget about Luis Sessa? Hmm. Um, remember him? He 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 decided he was going to wreck his, um, was it Mexico? I, I'm guessing it's Mexico's World Baseball Classic plans. And he's like, ha ha. The Reds calling me. They're the only people in sight that want to make me a starter. I love to be a starter in Major League Baseball. He looks around. Nobody's calling. Next thing you know, one phone call from the Cincinnati Reds. And what did he do? He just he decided to to uh, to leave his country to be at the World Baseball Classic. Kudos to Sessa. Didn't last long, by the way. Sessa, by the way, got a raw deal. People don't talk about how Luis Sessa got one of the rawest deals. He did not want to be a bullpen guy. That's what that that's that's the story that came out. Are you sure that's the story that came I out? I can't say 100% sure. I'll get to right. the bottom of it. It's my big J journalism. I'll, I'll get to the we bottom got, of it. We, he started as a starter in New York, but again, he was he morphed into that bullpen pitcher, and he was good as a reliever. So when the Reds made him a starter, which he didn't want to be, or maybe he wanted to be. He wanted was, to be a starter. But he, didn't, he doesn't pitch innings. So anyway, my point is that they should have kept him as a reliever. And All that's right. Well, don't forget about Sam Mole. Uh, he didn't start. I'm talking about innings pitch. Okay. This is just people that have thrown the okay. baseball you're right. You're right. one right. time. Okay, Elliot, for the you're Reds. Right. You're right. Uh, President's, President's Day weekend. Connor Phillips, Kennedy, Richardson, San Martin. Don't forget about him. Uh, Spires. Is it Spires or Spears? Spires. I think Spires. it's Spires. Yeah. Um, where are we at here? Legamina. I like that kid. Who? Legamina? Oh, yes, 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 yes. He's got a little bit of a lively arm. Yes, I remember him. I mean, I'm not. Every time I say that, I'll get someone in my DMs that is like, "You like Lagamina?" Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying he's a young award winner, okay? And, and also, yes, I do like Duarte. I do like Duarte. I wish Duarte the best. And I know that that was made out to be something. And actually, you know, I think he got dropped, picked up, dropped. People are gonna make fun, like, "Oh, yeah, he's so valuable. Nobody wants him." Okay, well, let's see. I, I Duarte. I I hope Duarte gets a chance somewhere. Um, man, I've lost my, I've lost, I mean, we, uh, do you want me to do it? Who's Bracco? Who? Bra Bracho? Yeah, Bra Broncho. Broncho? Yeah, he came in for a little bit. What? Well, how many innings was that? Busenitz? Seven innings. I remember. S somehow I remember. this guy threw seven innings. I don't remember him at all. I remember him. Uh, TJ Antone. Yep. He's don't helped. forget Luke Maley threw four innings. That's right. Um... The big T, Santillian. Fat Tony. That's he, my guy. It is your guy. I knew I knew that would get you fired up. Um, Man, what a fall from grace he's had. He threw three innings. Uh, don't forget the three innings that uh, Shreve threw. I don't even know if I'm saying these guys' names You're not, right. You're not saying them right. What is his name? Shreve? I think Shreve is right. But I think, have, I think some of the other names have been wrong. Kunal. I don't know how to say these names. Joel Kunal. Yep. Uh, Wong. First of all, the fact that we're even Jake Wong, he pitched one. He pitched. I think it was the only game he pitched was that rainout game. Okay. In, in Baltimore. Well, good for him. Um, this is where I make a fool of myself. We're getting into names I have no idea. Here we go. Come on, you got it. You got this in you. Marriott. Marriott. Yeah, Marriott Hotels. He came in at the end. Marriott. Good for him. Win. 
Randy Wynn. Who, yep. who could forget Randy Wynn? Don't forget Jason Vossler threw an inning. Two innings, actually. Vossler threw two innings. He did. Remember when, do you remember when Vossler came up last year and he was the biggest story in sports? No, he was never the biggest story in I sports. I think he was. I think there's no, three, he wasn't. Three the only thing I remember about Jason Vossler is that Sean Spurlock was killing this guy on opening day. Asking who in the hell is Jason Vossler starting first base for the Cincinnati Reds. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. And to be fair, it probably was a valid point by him. And then he rips a, he rips a triple down the line that's the biggest hit of the game for the Reds. Big Voss. Big Voss. Uh, Mills threw one inning. That's Reed's guy, Alec and Mills. Then, of course, I was there for that one inning. That was the worst inning of the season. Casey's Chicago Cub, guy, Alec Mills. Uh, Ricky Karcher. Karcher threw one inning. The most memorable inning of the year, by the way. Yeah. That's wild. The fact that the Reds sold his jersey for like 250 or 300 bucks at Reds Fest is, is, is wild. <laughs> but, gotta admit, might be worth it. Might have been undervalued. So if you're telling me right now, after I went through that laundry list of names, that it can't get, it can't, and I'm not, this is a knock on wood moment. It can't get worse. I don't think it can. It can't. I don't think it can be worse. Genuinely. You have to, you have to stay healthy. The red, the injury bug has killed the Reds over the past like four seasons. So I, I'd like, I'd, I'd like him to be healthy this year. That's what I want. I want health. If all our starters have four plus ERAs, but every one of them is playing every day and getting reps, that's what I want. That's what I, it gives us a chance to win. And if our offense can be, by the way, did you see some of these predictions for Ellie De La Cruz? Did you see this? Who is, I, 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 I got to find out. I got to find it on Twitter and I should have, I should have done it right before I thought of it right now. It's okay. But they predicted him to have for the whole year, yeah. 20 home runs, 21 home runs is his number yeah, and 30 about. stolen bases. Yeah. Ellie, right? Yeah. Ellie for the whole year. He had 35 stolen bases in a hundred games last year. How would he go down in all these categories? Well, I don't want to forecast this, and I think that, that it sounds like uh, you could turn into a hater when you do these types of things. But again, we're, I think that we're underestimating how electric Ellie was for a short amount of time last year. I think that if he plays that way, even remotely close to the way he played somewhat consistently, which is what people are kind of hoping or expecting or whatever term you'd like to use, he genuinely would be like the MVP. Now, the only thing I would say about Ellie at this point is that injury, I would think, and again, I'm not – Not going to that, that That could be part of it, right? Like, he did not play a full season, so maybe they're suspecting that he won't play the full season. I don't know. I would take the over. I would take the over. So here's 20, the 21 home runs, 30 stolen bases, five triples, an OBP of 311, and an OPS of 752. That's, that's what the uh, – the analytics say right yep he had an obp uh, of 300 for those 100 games this year yep he had an ops of 710 for those 100 games this year he had 35 stolen bases in these 100 games um 98 games to be exact and he had 13 home runs in those 98 games i think the home run total i think that's the fairest one of them all but to say he only have how many triples did he have last year he had seven triples Last year, how would he go down in triples? Yeah. Again, the answer is injury, but I don't think yeah. he's going to get hurt. I don't. Godspeed, I don't think he's going to get hurt. Yeah, well, we're all hoping that. I, I don't know. That's it. I mean, do, it goes they, to our point that we've already talked about before. Go ahead, Casey. Are they suggesting that five triples is going to be fourth in the NL? Yep, that's what they're suggesting. Is that is that? So what was seven last year? Was that really up, really high up there? 
I gotta see now. You can take the graphic off. I I don't know if, if if that's disrespectful though. I, I really don't. Yeah, see, I don't. I don't look at it as disrespect. If anything, it sets the bar at, at whatever they think is an expectation. The, the unfortunate part is that when you live in you in you, well, it's not just live, but you're a fan of a franchise, your expectations usually get inflated. I also think the stolen bases thing is going to be harder to reproduce because no one was aware of how fast he was. Now people know. He's really fast. And I know that you can even outbeat the preparation of it, but yeah. there were some teams that just weren't prepared for him to be able to steal bases like he was early on. Yeah, fourth would most definitely not be a tie for fourth in the National League. Fourth would have ranked – let me go to the second page. Fourth would have ranked – was that 36th? And Major League Baseball, so probably like 19th for – Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that graphic then. But anyways. That's it. Before we'll find out. I I'm not gonna sit here and make fun of the graphic like many do. You know, like that's the thing that I that I that I I'm hesitant towards this year. That that scares me. If we're if we're being honest, is that a lot of um a lot of folks at least on X.com and I'm all for being a fan. I, I guess like I, I'm all for, I'm all for for taking whatever it is that you hope to have happen and ex and, and and put it out there as if like there's no way that it wouldn't happen. But to sit here and suggest that that's not even relatively close to being fair is a little worrisome, I guess is what I'm getting at. And I, I yeah. do think the stolen bases are a little on the lower side. But, you know, anytime you start to poke your fun or laugh or make fun of some analytical thing, more times than more times than not, the numbers are the numbers. And they're, they're there for a reason. Um, and let's face it, there's a pretty good way to go about business more times than not is when you use numbers, you take out the emotional equation which is why everyone loves the movie Moneyball, whether you think it's true or not. You know. The only thing about Moneyball that I always laugh about that Reed always brings up is they don't they they, they not they don't want to bring up the three starting pitchers. They never they don't do. they don't want to bring up Tejada, who was legitimately maybe like was he not the MVP that season? They want to we'll just talk about Scott Hatfield and um, or Hatterberg and uh, don't give Reed don't give Reed this chance to. But my, that's my point. That's my favorite baseball movie. Don't give. Reed I'm not. The chance I'm not. It's him. a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie, which is fine. It's a movie. But to sit here and act like, to sit here and act like that was the reason as to why they they almost you know won all their games is because you know they got rid of uh, what was it David Justice yeah. and, and and put Hatterberg at first place and then that that was the trick. That's um, what got him over the hump. Yeah, Moneyball's a great movie. It's one of my favorite ever, and Reed can suck it. Uh, fun facts. Before we end the show, I think Trace has a cherry on top, unless you already gave it. I do. It. But I, before he does that, Casey, I've got, some, I've got some presidential fun facts. Because after all, this is President's Day. Very important day. Abraham Lincoln was the tallest president at, how, how tall do you think, Casey? 6'5". Almost. 6'4". The tallest president. The first left-handed president was... Hmm... James Garfield. James Garfield. This is a person who, if I'm going to be honest with you, this is why we have President's Day, to remember guys like this. I love this. I have never in my – how old am I, Casey? 24 years old, which means how many years of schooling is that? That's eight. That's – For you, that's not 16 many. Years. Uh, 16 years of schooling. I've had 16 years of Catholic schooling, and then when I got to college, uh, Toledo and UC, two universities. Never have I heard this president, ever. Garfield? No, 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 not that one. The 13th president of the United States is Millard Fillmore. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Millard Fillmore? 
Well, there's a tradition in Hamilton that that's gone away where they used to name all the elementary schools. Yeah. And well, and not just the elementary schools. They named every single school in in Hamilton after a president. And uh, unfortunately, that went away. But the reason I know Fillmore was a president is because there was Fillmore Elementary. Interesting. Well, he was the first president to have a stepmother. Wow. He was the first president to have a stepmother. The only president who studied to become a medical doctor was William Henry Harrison, the ninth president. The 18th president of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant, was given a $20 speeding ticket for riding his horse and buggy too fast down a street in Washington, D.C. $20 back then is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. A $20 speeding ticket for riding his horse and buggy. That must have been really fast. Yeah. How fast do you think that was? Over, under? Hmm. 16 miles an hour. Over. Like, it was probably 820. Yeah. I think he was going 20. Uh, The White House's first website went online on October 1994 during President Bill Clinton's administration. So how about that? Those were some fun facts Hmm. regarding... I didn't know Millard Fillmore was a person. Didn't know that human Did you not have to sing uh, Elliot... Or not Elliot. Uh, Nick in the chat brings up, did you not have to sing the, the president song? No. Growing up. That wasn't, I, a, that wasn't a very high priority, clearly, in the, in, the, in the Catholic schools that you went to. No. It was states and capitals. Hmm. For, Interesting. For well, that's the, I, I do appreciate the, the nuggets that you provided there on President's Day. It's that's President's why you're, Day. That's, that you are uh, fulfilling the role over there very, very well. Thank you. And you did carry the show, which I really do appreciate. I, didn't, I don't think I carried it. No, I, you 100% did. Well, I, listen, we're just having fun today because I know I give credit where credit is due. You you did a great job today. Thank you. You did a great... Casey, you did a great job too. Both you guys. You guys did really good. And I think it's important. And that's what really this day is all about, right? When you, when you think about President's Day, this is the day where you go to your friends and family and you say, guys, you did a great job today. No matter what it is in life, whether your mom just came home from a hard day's work, whether your dad was out in the yard and he was in the hot tub doing something, whatever's going on in your life, go out there and say, hey, congratulations. You had another great day today. And that's what President's Day is all about. And that's what Joe Biden has to say, too. Let's Hell be yeah. Let's uh, be politics. I love it. Uh, here's the thing we're going to do to end no, the show. We're going to have a lot of fun ending this show today. Let's go. The best time. Four minutes for the rest today. of our lives. Uh, we have some some NASCAR, stock car, yeah. rubbing and is racing type yeah. of fans in the chat today. Yeah. We don't know nothing about this stock car stuff. So do us a favor. I want you to put in the chat your favorite to win. Your favorite. Who you think's going to win. I don't care what the pundits say. I don't care what, what anybody else says. You have one name to put in the chat if you watch NASCAR right now. I want you to put it in the chat who you think's going to win. Casey? You got a big job to do. You go. are going to have to read these names and put them in the wheel of lunch, which is not really the wheel of lunch, but uh, the wheel of whatever you want to call it today, the wheel of the 500. You're going to put these names in the wheel. Now, if it's the same name, you don't put it twice. But we're going to put these names in the wheel. And to end the show, a la wheel of lunch, box lunch, that's who we're all going to ride today. That's who we'll bet? That's who we're going to bet. Okay. And as always, if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21-PLUS in Ohio. Um, I would assume, not assume, but 21-PLUS in Kentucky and 21-PLUS in the state of Indiana. So Casey is going to do that now. In the meantime, I got to thinking and I got to see something that is going to be our United Dairy Farmers cherry on top. Ooh. Check this out. Oh, maybe. 
He's at a, he's doing the wheel. Now. So this is uh, obviously some kid they pulled out of the stands. He's going to try to win $25,000. And the goal is obviously to hit the four shots. They gave him 30 seconds. They usually give this like a minute challenge, right? The problem is with 30 seconds is you legitimately barely have time. But watch this half quarter from this kid. Oh! Oh! The, the probability, let's talk about the probability now for just a moment here, folks. The probability of that happening for that kid is the same as me and you going and playing the Powerball. I genuinely believe that. He had no time to spare to miss a single shot. Like, not, not, he couldn't miss one shot. He would have ran out of time. If you looked at the clock when he heaved that half quarter, it was like three seconds left. Yeah. Unbelievably unfair. There's two things that I'm worried about here in this instance. <laughs> One is, do they actually have the money to give away? Because when no they way. were drawing this up, when they were drawing this up, they went 100% were like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. We'll just go grab a kid out of the stands. You know, no one's going to really call us out on it because it's a kid. It's not like we can go and try to find somebody that's terrible every single round. So we'll just grab a kid. And... What do we let's put 30 seconds on the clock? So he makes a layup. If he misses the free throw, he's got to get his own rebound. He doesn't even have people rebounding for him. But let's just say, for instance, he misses the free throw, he's out of time. Nope, he makes the free throw. He goes to the three-point line, misses the three-point line, he's out of time. Makes the three-point shot. But most impressive of it all was I genuinely think that we could sit that kid down and we could give him every bit of four to five hundred more chances of hitting a half-court shot like that. And it has to go in no more than five out of five hundred. Of all of the things that I've seen of people doing to win money, that might be the most impressive thing. You can get lucky, okay, to a certain extent and hit one shot from somewhere. I've seen it. We've all seen it. The guy that in the Bulls... The back in the day, by the way, the Bulls, I don't know if you even knew this. For those that don't know, if you didn't see it, there was a guy way back in the day that hit a three-quarter course shot to win a million dollars at a Bulls game. Turns out the insurance company called out and said that there was a technical uh, disqualification for it because they weren't allowed to play uh, in their disqualification things. They weren't allowed to play uh, collegiate or professional basketball within the last 10 years. And this guy played at some junior college or something. So they disqualified him for that. Turns out Michael Jordan, the goat that he is found out about this, heard about it, went to the front office of the bulls and told them that they better give him the money or he's going to make a big to do about it. And it turns out, I think Michael ended up making sure that he got his money. So he got his money in the, at the end of it all. But that's one of the worries I have for this kid is, is he actually going to get the money? But anybody can make one shot. This kid had to make, the layup, okay, I'll spare you that. But a free throw and a three-pointer, those aren't automatic. And he hit, and he hit the half-quarter, which obviously is the reason as to why it was probably viral. Do you think there will be a moment in that kid's life that tops that? That's a great point. Um, I would hope so. Uh, you know what? Since it's President's Day, I think he could, like, like every young kid believes and, and, and should believe in this country because it's the greatest country in the world. I genuinely do believe that. Uh, everybody 
can be president if they want to be. Are these real racers? That that's what they tell you. Are these real racers that he's? So I do on? think that that's not the biggest. Uh, I'm uh, looking them up life. right now. All right, uh, the cutoff is now, and I already see something in the chat that I'm laughing out loud about Everett. That's pretty funny. I gotta say? see. I gotta see if our man Casey just just put it puts it in here because who knows? He's just pecking names. All right, Casey. We are officially in overtime right now. We do have uh, we do have box lunch. So how for that, that that's that's for the members, by the way. How old, how um, old is Jeff Gordon? So here's here's what we're gonna do. You are going to put the the list of names, whatever we have now. That's it. We're done. Okay. Let's start it off. And for those that are new to this, it's not the actual one that gets picked. It's the one that gets picked last. All right, Casey. It's the okay. wheel of uh, wheel of racer time. And I've never heard of half of these people. You're gonna have to put it on program. Yep. And then you're going to have to hit uh, the, the old play button. And let's, let's, let's let it rip. Here we Reed go. Reed Mouse is saying Quiplash will be today. And I do know Doc Hudson is uh, from Cars. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that. Chris Buescher, gone. Is that a real person? Uh, supposedly. I didn't have time to look up everything, so. Chris, Chris Buescher is a real person. Chris buescher has gone. Or Buescher, he spelled that wrong. There we go. It's hard for Casey because you I, don't, sure? yeah, I mean I don't I'm think that's just real. taking whatever's from the chat. All right, so fine. We 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 wrong. get it. It's good. Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott. That seems like a good racer. I've heard of him before. Yeah, he's like fifth in odds, but that's all right. By the way, the rest of these guys not very good in odds. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong on that. Well, that means it could be one heck of a hit. Chris Bell. Christopher Bell. You a fan of him? Um, yeah, I love Saved by the Bell. This kid looks. God, he looks like a little baby. 29 years old from Norman, Oklahoma. Love that. Joey Logano. Heard of him. Slogano. Good. I'm glad gone. he's gone. I'm glad he's gone. That guy stinks. Slogano? Slogano. He's very bad. You got bad. a nickname for him, huh? Very bad. I, t I stole that nickname from part of my take. Shut up. Uh, <coughs> Kyle, Kyle Bush. Bush. Heard of him. Again, that's a good racer that we've just lost there. Who's the odds on favor to win? Denny Hamlin. Denny according Hamlin. According to. Mm. And nobody, nobody picked Denny Hamlin? Interesting. No, it's on there. Oh, okay. It is on there. My, Blaney, my apologies. How old is he? 30? All right. By the way, the Cars character is still on, I believe. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Now no, Doc. All oh, right. Yeah. See you, Doc. Smell you later. All right. We We're getting down to it now. We have some top five guys in here still. Kyle, Kyle Larson, Larson, are you mean to was, tell me that we're going to get the favorite? That was the fifth. I really hope we don't get the favorite. I don't want Bubba. Yeah, you're right there, too. Like, sit. Uh -oh. is this, wait, is this for the Sit winner? down. Wait, is this for That's, the winner? Yep. This is for the winner right here. Denny, Denny Hamlin. Denny, Denny Hamlin is our pick. All right. Uh, turns out Vegas knows what they're talking about, and that's why we're going to take him. Betting on it right now as we speak. Wheel of Daytona 500. I say we do that for every uh, for every for every big race. Yeah. Are there other other big races? I mean, horse, horse racing, all the horse races. Okay. Um. What's what's the other big big? Uh. N don't look at the chat. You're not allowed to do that. I want. Don't look at the chat. I'm not looking at the chat. I want you to tell me the other big NASCAR races throughout the year that you know of, and those are the ones that will actually that. Why would you do ask this me this? Because you know I don't know. Because because that means they're really big. If you know them, then they're really big. There's if you ask a NASCAR guy what the biggest races are, they're going to name like seven races, and we're not going to... Talladega. See? There's, there's one. There's another 500. I'll look the chat for it. You mean to tell me you didn't even know Talladega? I would have known it if you told me it, but I didn't know it off the top of my head. Why did you look at the chat? I asked you one thing to Indy do, and you didn't Indy do it. 500 isn't NASCAR, is let's, it? Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. 
Well, is, I asked you one thing to do, one this, simple thing, and that is not look at the chat. And you can't do that? This is president. That's like, that's worse than Eve. This is president. That's worse than Eve. At least Eve, like, like talked about it for a minute. You literally went straight to it. On a day. Don't eat the, don't eat the fruit. On on a, a, oh, there's an apple. <laughs> on a Good day, job, Elliot. On a day like today, where we're supposed to be solemnly celebrating every president that's ever lived and died. I am shocked that you are being this disrespectful to me. This is President's Day. This is the greatest day of the year, by far. And we just had the greatest sports weekend of the year. This is a day of forgiveness, where this we forgive is. our presidents for this being is. absolutely horrible. Yeah. And, and, and Trace over here just wants to just completely kill you. I, I feel for you. He should be forgiving you for looking at the chat. Because yeah, that's, that's a sin. I got Danica Patrick plus two million. I asked you to not look at the chat. That was going to be a she fun thing right there. But you, the but chat. it's not fun to be embarrassed on President's Day. Today's President's Day. Let's end the show. You got to end the show. You got to reel. It I back don't in need to house. end the show. I don't. You got to reel it back show. in. You got to reel it back in. All right. I had it. I had it all the way out there. I was reeling it in. I was going to finish the show by asking you what the top races were, and you decided to look at the chat. Now you're still staring at it. Can you give me one outside of the, uh, Talladega, please? Please. The North Carolina 300. <laughs> and with that, folks, I feel sad. Hockey on at noon today. NHL. The Daytona 500 is uh, is is starting their engines at 4 p. Eastern time, which means that right after dinner tonight, you can tune into the last 50 laps, and we will all be tuning in because we have what we would call hard-earned money on Denny Hamlin. So shout out to Denley, Denny, Denley, Denny, Denny, not Denley, not Denley, Denny. All right. Box lunch is next. Thank you for joining us on the most prestigious day of the year and President's Day. I can't thank you enough for, for being so supportive of us. We'll be back better than ever tomorrow. Until then, take care of yourselves and go Denny Hamlin.